Wrestling Geeks Brother in arms, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, actually, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews over shows that have been in the past and previews to shows that are coming up. We got a lot of items to talk about, not so much previewing, review, or anything like that. Uh, just a lot of fucking random uh, stuff. But uh, I couldn't do this by myself, like I said. Standing with me over uh, in. West Connecticut, trying to find out if Vince McMahon is leaving or not, and if he shaved that fucking mustache so he doesn't look like Gomez Adams. Christopher Brother Ray Patton, how you doing, sir? Uh, yes, Dane, I'm here on scene, and I can tell you there is no confirmation that Walt Disney's evil twin has left the building. <laughs> how are you, bud? Who is that, <laughs> This man has a T-Rex head in his office. What do people expect from him? <laughs> Oh my God, he just looks ridiculous. He he literally looks like a mustache twirling villain. It's great. It's perfect. Ah, man, one day Vince McMahon's gonna show up and fight both of us in a bar or something. As much as we've talked about him, he's like, ah, "That's what I'm doing with my retirement." It's gonna be like the Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> they uh, travel around to all the people talking crap about their movies. I just want like a small video, like old school style. Uh, of him in like a dick dastardly outfit, putting Sable on the train tracks and Brock Lesnar saving him or saving him. <laughs> That'd be great. Or just like a side by side of him and Rick Rude swiveling hips together. <laughs> there you go. I got it too. Listen up, you fat sweat hogs, <laughs> pal. All right, so uh, we're not. We don't normally go into wrestling, you know, for new listeners kind of uh, go over some stuff that we've been watching. So that would have been a perfect transition to go into Vince, which we will talk about uh, a little bit later. But, Chris, what have you been watching lately? So I finished uh, season two of Heels, which I thought was better than the first season. I thought there was a lot of real fun storylines. There's some good character development with the character Wild Bill, specifically. Uh, and then outside of that, a lot of football, a lot of wrestling. And uh, yesterday, uh, me and the wife watched both Days of Thunder and <laughs> Varsity Blues, which came on back to back on CMT, which watching those movies on television is not <laughs> necessarily the way to go. But it was pretty funny. So how about you, bud? What have you been up to? What have you been watching? I've been watching my purple headed yogurt slinger. Um, <laughs> Pedro. <laughs> Pedro, <laughs> what do you call it? Um, yeah, Hopper Teacher. I'm sorry, I love Varsity Blues. That's a great movie, and 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 uh, Days of Thunder. That's another classic. But I've uh, already started the horror thing. I watched. Uh, they have on um, Shutter, which I usually get around October. Reopen my account. They have like a bunch of uh, kind of documentaries, and this is one that was on. 
uh, AMC originally, but it was they have three seasons of it. I definitely recommend it. They have it all on Shutter. I'm sure that AMC has it on their app, but it's Eli Roth. I forgot what it's called exactly, but like the, the history of horror. And so each episode, there's nine episodes per season, but each tackle a different, you know, different uh, element within horror, uh, whether it be an episode about werewolves, zombies, uh, they have two part for slasher movies and everyone you could think of from uh, from John Travolta. No, not John Travolta. Um, the hell's his name? Pulp Fiction's director. I can't think of it. Quentin Tarantino uh, to Greg Nicotero to uh, Tom Savini. Everyone, Rob Zombie, everyone is on this documentary. Uh, they're the same people that produced the the, uh, the one that's, I think, premiering this year that they made last year for Shudder with the top 100 greatest scary moments or whatever the fuck. So if you like that type of stuff, uh, you get to relive a lot of great horror, and they cover pretty much everything except for, I was pissed, they did a holiday episode, and they talked about Halloween, which they already did the slasher thing, but I still love it, kind of going over some of the more modern stuff. But they didn't fucking have Trick or Treat, and I gotta say, that's one of my favorite anthology uh, horror things, that they were creep show, and uh, doesn't, it, you know, doesn't get some love, man. I, I, I love that little uh, little film. Chris, but that's what I've been doing. And a lot of Hitchcock. I, I really liked that show. I have not seen all three seasons of it, but like, I, like we talked, I think we talked about it in the last show a little bit where I was like, yeah, I remember when that was coming on AMC. Cause it would show up like after talking dead or something. I can't remember. It came on on Sunday, like after walking dead, they would do like talking dead. And then that would come on and, and we'd end up crashing to that as I was still watching walking dead. I did watch the, uh, what season one episode of that new Daryl Dixon walking dead. But like the premise is fucking lost on me. Cause I have no idea how this man possibly in a world that has, I mean, at this point has no gasoline could make it from America to Paris or France. <laughs> like that's like a four month journey. So um, fans out there listening, please explain to me how this should work. Did he file fall through like a fucking time hole or like, I, I don't know. I just <laughs> baffling. Um, that being said, the setting and the, uh, the setup for the show is like kind of good, um, which was nice. It was a nice change of pace, especially for those who slogged through the end of walking dead. Like I did. Uh, but yeah, that, that's the only other thing, but I, I did really like the Eli Roth stuff. The holiday one, it sounds familiar. Did they go into the gremlins? I'm pretty sure they spent like a good amount of time on gremlins. If I remember right. There's a creature episode that go into Gremlins, and they definitely bring it up. But this was on this was the last episode of the third season, so they kind of just wanted to make sure that oh shit, we didn't go over this one and this one and Silent Silent Night, Deadly Night, um, Black Christmas, which is one of my favorites. Uh, it's, got, it's got Lois Lane just as a party drunk, basically. Yeah, Mar- Margot <laughs> Kidder from uh, Superman, but uh, yeah, classics. Yeah, I'm kind of like it. So like when it comes to like favorite horror film around a holiday, I mean, it, it goes like, you know, Halloween for me and then probably Gremlins. But also Gremlins, I wouldn't really consider necessarily a horror flick because I definitely watched that as like a five year old. You know what I mean? Like there's some scary stuff in that movie, but it's not. Phoebe Kate's w- uh, backstory of how she found her dad dressed as Santa dead in the fucking chimney was pretty horrible. <laughs> it's pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Dante. Also, the- Great fucking director and horror creator. 
yeah, that movie has just always stuck with me. It's still one of my favorites, and it's definitely it. Like, I I have a lot of shit that I watch around Halloween, but there's very few things that I go out of my way to watch around Christmas and, and Gremlins and uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. Those are kind of the two that I make sure I hit every year around the Christmas season. Uh, but yeah, the I'm wrapping up for Halloween. Deal. I've already started building the playlist of stuff I wanted to watch. We talked. To, I, I watched. I kicked it off with Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. We talked about that last week, but uh, yeah, I got a lot of shit on tap. Um, and also, like for people that just have cable and want to tune into something, I, I think Fright Fest is turning up, and they have some some decent stuff. Uh, and anyone out there, if you want a free app that has a lot of great horror movies, you don't. You, there's no money involved. You can subscribe if you want, but all it does is so you can pause. And go back to things, you know, it saves basically. But Tubi, man, so much good horror shit on there. Definitely recommend it. And Pluto TV. Yeah, Pluto and Tubi both are fucking great for things that you don't necessarily you wouldn't go in wanting to watch, but if you spend like a couple minutes scrolling through, you'll find something for sure. Um, and they're free, which is awesome. I mean, free. They're gonna show you some ads or whatever, but like in 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 the culture we live in, where everything is a fucking subscription service, it is nice to know that there's just you know, hey, here's some free shit. Three ninety five and freebie, I think, is another one too. But um, kind of translating over into our main topic, obviously, because we are Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Um, I started. Uh, you, you know, you brought up one of the shows that I kind of want to catch up on. And heels, and I've liked the first four episodes. I just haven't got a chance to. Now I got a chance that I can knock them all out, so that's good. Um, but on top of that, really happy for for Al Snow and OVW and the amount of positive reception that the wrestlers are is getting uh, right now. Basically, a docu series. It, it reminds me in different elements. I, I mean, it kind of reminds me of heels in a lot of ways. Because they kind of do the same type of stuff. Obviously, one's a television show, this is a docuseries. But, um, you know, kind of going back to Tough Enough, because Al Snow's the not only CEO, but also the head person training the wrestlers. Um, and just re- really impressed by the uh, pilot. And it apparently it's number one on Netflix right now, which is crazy. If I told you OVW would have a show on Netflix, that would be number one. Um, and now I really do want to check out the live YouTube OVW show um, the next time it's on. But uh, I'll probably go through that. There's, I think there's seven episodes, all an hour. I'll, I'll destroy that, probably that in heels today um, after we're done with our stuff. Yeah, man, I definitely want to check it out. I think I am going to watch it through illegal means just because there's nothing else on Netflix I want to watch. Either that or I'll sign up or create a new email for a free Netflix account because Netflix has been so hit or miss for me lately. And uh, it's also expensive now, (laughs) but I am very interested in the OVW show. And Cornette's been talking about it a lot. So I'm assuming on his podcast this week, he's like, number one on Netflix. It's because of me, Jim Cornette. In the whatever he called like with the cult of cornet, <laughs> I'm sure he'll be putting it over uh, this week. Oh! But, uh, it's interesting. It makes you wonder, like, if NWA actually, if that video library was actually sold to um, some of that video library would have been sold to Billy Corgan when he purchased the name rights for NWA. If 
they could have done something very similar with the original way that they were filming that show, I think that would have been really, really neat. So I'm interested to check it out, man. There's a lot of good fucking wrestling right now in the world. And me and you live through a dry period. <laughs> so <laughs> for youngins out there listening to the show and excited about wrestling, y'all are y'all are living through a boom period, which is great. There's like so many documentaries, so so many neat independent things you could watch. I mean, like if you have Fight TV, there's like tons of GCW and Black Label Pro and like that. All of that was not achievable 10 years ago unless you wanted to go way outside the box. Um, so it, it's great, man. I'm I've been really enjoying and wa- trying to watch as much random wrestling as I can within reason. Um, you know, obviously with the main products being what they are, we're consuming a lot of wrestling anyways, if you watch both AEW and WWE, but I have been trying to sprinkle in, you know, mixtures of documentaries and shit. And uh, yeah, there's some good stuff out there for sure. Um, Joey Janela has been killing it in GCW, by the way. (laughs) Well, good for him. All right, Joey, he's an interesting cat. As long as he's not trying to fight Enzo. That Blink going to concert. <laughs> Dude, they should do, they should do the match though. You know, they squashed the beef. They could do the match now. Enzo and GCW like unfiltered. That'd be amazing. <laughs> All right, I, and they should pay Travis Barker to do a drum solo the whole entire match. He would do it too. That's the funny thing. <laughs> Travis Barker will play. Travis Barker would play if me and you did a song after the show and sent it to him. Be like, hey, can you put drums on this? He probably would. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah, I remember that <laughs> terrible song from Soldier Boy. What the hell was that song called? Um, Super Soak That Hoe or whatever the fuck. And then he <laughs> did his his version on drums, and I actually liked it. That's how good Travis Barker is. The guy's incredible, and he lived through a plane crash. He's like basically the Ric Flair of drummers. <laughs> I love Travis really Barker. He really is. All right, all right. Let's uh, let's go back to Mr. Uh, Evil Walt Disney. Um. <laughs> So basically, it sounds like, well, we kind of heard word that Vince partially was a part of this for the deal itself to get it finalized and kind of step out of uh, the program. But um, on the other side of it, you know, we have RKO kind of acknowledging the fact that, you know, Vince is a... Vince is not the best person maybe to have involved due to everything that's going on. Uh, so, uh, so deep research, uh, uh, AXIOS revealed that, I don't know what the fuck that is, some type of outlet, I guess, that TKO had this to say about McMahon in the SEC files, SEC files. Vince McMahon's membership on our board could expose us to negativity, negative publicity and or have other adverse financial or operational impacts on our business. His mum, his membership also may result in additional uh, scrutiny or otherwise exacerbate the other risks describing herein. Any of those outcomes should directly or indirectly have adverse financial or operational impacts on our business. So to you, Chris, them acknowledging this kind of what we've heard about Vince kind of wanting to peter out. Could we see a WWE moving on without Vince McMahon very soon in the future? 
it'll be after Mania, but yeah, we could see that. Because they, I mean, with the way the WWE's been booking lately, with bringing Cena back, and what we we only have to assume CM Punk is going to be involved, and The Rock has shown back up. It seems like this guy wants to go out with one last hurrah, one last big 40. WrestleMania. And it's 40, so, you know, it kind of makes sense that that would be it. You know, him going out one last time. And maybe maybe he can fight uh, CM Punk um, in a match, a retirement match. <laughs> Remember that time Kevin Owens headbutted him? That shit was hilarious. Jesus uh, Christ, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> it's Vince, man. He's always said, I won't ask a performer to do anything that I wouldn't do. Whether he should or not is a different story, but... Um, yeah, uh, with, the, with the Vince thing, like that news came after their stock prices dropped, which had absolutely nothing to do with Vince McMahon. It was more about them moving from Fox to USA for SmackDown, which is going to drop their ratings. I mean, that's just going to be the way it is. You're going from, Hey, this is a fucking free thing that you can get with a digital antenna that you can pick up at big lots for five bucks versus, Hey, you have to have cable to watch this. And they also have the Hulu deal coming up, uh, which is expiring for people that want to watch it on Hulu. And they also have, uh, you know, they don't necessarily have a landing spot for Raw in NXT yet, unless USA gets all three, um, which would be good for USA because outside of WWE, I don't even know what fucking comes on that network besides Law and Order. <laughs> Like, like, honestly, if you switch over there, it's either NCIS or Law and Order. I bet if you turned on the TV right now and switched to USA, fucking Law and Order SUV, uh, SUV would be on or fucking NCIS. So, like, you know, it makes sense for them as a cable company that's trying to stay alive, but it does, like, hurt the visibility of WWE. Uh, the one thing I do like about this deal, and, and no one's really talked about or I haven't heard talked about, is the four NBC specials. Uh, because if they put those as actual their premium live events and it, with in like what they were going to show on Peacock anyways, and they choose those to be the four big events they do each year, which would be like what Rumble, Survivor Series, SummerSlam, and one night of Mania, like that will be huge, huge for them, uh, ratings wise and ad wise, and so that part is very interesting that they worked that into the deal that they have with USA. But yeah, the stock price is dropping and shit. I mean, like it had little nothing to do with Vince. So it was just kind of surprising. They came out afterwards and be like, yeah, that Vince McMahon guy, he's a, he's a fucking terrible person. You're like, no shit, dude. <laughs> like he, he, he stepped down from his company <laughs> and then only came back to do the sale with you. Like you guys knew he was terrible. Whatever. I, I mean, that's like pot calling the kettle black with fucking, you still have Dana White <laughs> as an employee, so whatever. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's interesting that this time period is now shifting so much, it seems, uh, for everything involved with WWE because of this uh, merger with uh, TKO, um, with Endeavor, WWE, and UFC, so just crazy stuff. And like you said with the contract stuff, could we see... Could this just be, and I hope not, but like CBS having like, which I think they were the one who hosted back in the day, the Saturday night main event or, or something that's like, a, you know, a little bit smaller. But I love your idea, and I kind of hope, if it's not Mania, maybe they can throw 
Um, try to think. Uh, Money in the Bank in there. So their four biggest, you know, pay-per-views after the two-night WrestleMania become a live thing, or just maybe have smaller ones, but then decide we'll try Royal Rumble and see what that can do. On you know, can we provide attention to this on such a level, not like the Super Bowl, but we can have like something established within these four, or maybe all four, that can really, you know, grow uh, the viewership for these pay-per-views. Like, oh shit, rest, or you know, like even if it's WrestleMania, Royal Rumble's on fucking NBC right now, dude. Let's watch it. You know, I, I feel like that could happen if they do go in that direction. Yeah, and Rumble is perfect for that because, like, as we know, you always see a spike in viewership, uh, whether you're looking at, like, previous live event streams or ratings leading into Rumble and then the Rumble pay-per-view itself because people like the surprise element of the Royal Rumble and the concept. So even, like, fans, like, let's call lapsed fans or casual fans, like, they will tune in to watch the Rumble regardless of if they watched anything the rest of the WWE year. So putting that on TV and having it promoted – like with uh, the NFL going on with NBC and stuff like, dude, that's they're going to get that. That'll pop a huge rating for sure. Probably something we haven't seen since the nineties, if they did something like that. So that that's the more interesting part of the contract. The rest of it is like, it's crazy to me that they are making 40% more money on this new contract and their stock price dropped. (laughs) Like that's, (laughs) but you know, I don't know a whole lot about the stock market and how that works. Or we see this with like, you know, we, we signed this contract with Marvel and our prices dropped or whatever that happens with Disney. And it's like the, how, how, um, you guys are making more money. Like why would the, so the fluctuation and stuff like that is just, is fucking weird, but I'm very interested to see what they do with that. And to also see how AEW and TNT and TBS responds, because the their their like live events that they do are kind of like glorified dynamites, you know what I mean? Like you're you're not really, it's not to the same level as what a AEW pay per view is. Whereas like if you're when you're talking about like a, a special, and you know that SmackDown's two like SmackDown and Raw are two, two three hours, I would assume they're going to give them like a primetime block from eight to eleven. Or whenever they start their news, I think eleven on NBC. So they have three hours to do like a premium live event. That's that could be like massive for WWE business, regardless of like we're gonna lose weekly viewership. That could pick back up if they, you know, pop a huge rating or just catches fire with Royal Rumble, especially if they're gonna have the rock come back at Rumble or something crazy like that. So it's it's interesting to say the least. Yeah, are you at all worried about the idea of SmackDown possibly getting a third hour involved with this? Oh. I mean, kind of, but, like, you know, I just watched, like, uh, yeah. I mean, yes, because I think it's going to water down their product, and they've, their roster is not as broad as it would need to be to do two, three hour shows uh, plus NXT. So you're talking eight hours, right? Yeah. Um, that would be my only real problem with it. Uh, 
it the booking on both shows has been pretty good recently with WWE. So it's kind of hard for me to knock, you know, if they're going to pay them for another hour and all the wrestlers are going to get paid more money, it's not really up to me to be like, fuck you, you know, but uh, if they can continue to put out good content, you know, on SmackDown, the thing is SmackDown has been like one of the best wrestling things you could watch uh, storyline wise and the the pacing of the show and, moving along and, and setting you up for the live events. SmackDown has been kind of the, the prime example of doing that. So I, it, you know, it does make me worried just because there is a stigma about the three hour raw. Um, does, I mean, if USA buys all of it, there's no reason for them to do a, th- a three hour SmackDown. It would only be if like, it would only be if they're, if they lose raw, and they want to try to shift that money, I guess, add money, then they would add an extra hour to SmackDown, which means maybe we would get a two-hour Raw somewhere else. Like, that that stuff is so up in the air right now because we don't know where Raw and NXT is going to land, right? Could they could they land on, um, on Peacock, either of them? As streaming only? Yeah, I mean, NXT already did, obviously, but this is a little bit different. I guess it was on the network compared to Peacock, but that's NBC's platform, obviously. Is there any way in hell that Monday Night Raw becomes a reason for people to get the Peacock network if they want to watch it? Mm, It's so hard with Monday Night Raw, though, because it's always like second or third in all cable ratings across Monday nights. Yeah, like outside of news and football, it's always like number two, like three. You you think it would land somewhere that would make a cable provider money? Um, unless NBC just straight like unless USA does a deal and Raw's on NBC or something on Monday nights. Like that's who, an who interesting knows? concept too. What if what if NBC hosts Raw? I mean, it, it, Raw is beating the shit out of whatever they're showing on Monday nights, anyways. <laughs> Like, well, no, they have, uh, no, ESPN does Monday Night Football now. That's so, yeah, like, I I don't know. Where are they going to lose? Like, anything that goes against Monday Night Football is going to lose anyway. So it's it's kind of like a, it's it's a weird thing, man. Like, I mean, Fox could just buy it. But, you know, they could just be swapping. Fox could buy Raw now, you know, just to shift the programming lineup from one channel, like one network to another network. Um. I'm more interested of what they're going to do with NXT, uh, which NXT has been beating (laughs) Dynamite recently in the ratings. So I'm more curious on like, obviously they've brought some people down there to help boost numbers and like they have the tournament going on. There's a lot of stuff happening on NXT and it's been a pretty good show recently, but it's like they threw a lot of stuff at that. So there's another, you know, there's still that TV deal coming up, but it's like NXT has gotten a lot better and reasoning seems like uh like when a player gets really good uh in their contract year <laughs> when they need to get re-signed that seems like what is happening with nxt right now but that would be the one that i could see ending up on like a peacock right like if you're going to do something like that or, or make it like a stream like some kind of streaming service nxt would be the one that kind of was based around streaming to begin with then move to cable and then pop back to streaming that would be I don't ever see Raw being a streaming show just because it is a staple. And uh, I'm sure Vince would lose his shit and probably write that. As as long as he is still there, I don't see that happening. 
because uh, I mean, was the 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 biggest episodic television show of all time or whatever on cable? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, wow. I guess should should this now continue into the uh, the bad side of this whole business ordeal? Um, the fact that hey, should probably condense. Uh, first staff. Uh, then writers, pretty much everyone, and then the talent themselves. And apparently UFC is going to be doing a similar thing starting soon, um, if they already haven't started. But uh, we lost some wrestlers, Chris, uh, this last week from WWE. Some of them, I don't, like I hate to say this, but we kind of have said it before with the releases. And I understand where people also come in and say, I mean, this is business, but I have, well, why they have more money now than they ever have. But if, if you're not utilizing people at all, or you're not even going to give them a chance to start like they did with Emma for a second time, <laughs> um, you know, cut them loose um, if you have to. And I, I praise a lot of people, whether it be John Cena saying nice things about Dolph Ziggler and putting into perspective how many matches he's had for the company. I think he's had the most amount after Big Show and Kane, I believe, for Monday Night Raw. Um, you know, and also just Matt Cardona saying, hey, I was in this position. This is not necessarily the end of your career. This might be the beginning. You know, bust your ass and you can do a lot and you don't even have to be tied down to an organization. So just a lot of good words. We'll go into the names, uh, Chris, but 20 people got released off the roster. Um, what, what did you think when, once we got every single person, including the last person, uh, Mr. Matt Riddle, who probably probably needed to go? So me and you talked about this uh, either last week or the week before we could, with the incoming merger being closed. And, and specifically, we talked about the shitty end of the people behind the scenes with them merging both companies. And like, I heard that was like a hundred employees, uh, which sucks. So, you know, good vibes to everyone that kind of got fucked in this situation. That just sucks in business in general. Uh, with some of the names, I, I think maybe it's easier just to go down the list of names and then I can give you a, a reaction, but like the outpouring of the wrestling community around some of these names and being like, Hey, don't let this get you down. Um, like you were saying with Matt Cardona, that was really nice to see uh, because we've seen these WWE releases as we've been doing this podcast for what, six years now, these happen every year, right? Like there is always like a black, like a black Friday type or black Monday type stock market thing where they just cut like 10 people from NXT and, and, you know, like big show was one previously Mark Henry, like it, it doesn't matter how big you are. It's like, if you're not, if you're not able to do anything or they have nothing for you to do and you're on a big contract as Dolph Ziggler was on a big contract, it happens and it sucks. Uh, but the outpouring of support from the wrestling community with specific individuals, Dolph Ziggler being one of them uh, in this was like kind of nice to see and refreshing and, and wrestling's in a boom period. So I would, you know, as far as a fan goes, there's like actually for the first time when you say there's a lot of places for them to go. Well, right now there is kind of a lot of places for them to go, which is which is the only positive thing you can draw out of, you know, people getting fired. No, not only do I agree with you, but I'll even say that 
I hope they get paid some good money. Oh, by the way, I meant to say, say this earlier. I looked on USA. They're finishing up a soccer game, and Law and Order Special Victims Unit is next. So I had to let you know that. Uh, <laughs> Called it. Called it. I was almost there. <laughs> the day. The damn, the damn foreign soccer game got me, but I was pretty spot on with my prediction of what would be happening on USA Network right now. Pretty amazing. But, um, you know, it's not selfishly. I hope they get paid a lot of money. But it's it's like, wow, I'll be able to see Mustafa Ali actually fucking treated, you know, better than he was in WWE. I'll actually get to see this wrestler in another organization. Like you said, I think... Most of the people on this list will end up at one of the other places, and it keeps on happening. And most of the people that that happens to start striving, whether it be an impact, whether it be an NWA, there's MLW, uh, obviously AEW is the other big one. We can go to Japan. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff. And also there's New Japan in Japan, and then there's New Japan Strong here in the U.S., uh, Mexico with AAA and CMLL. So like you said, there is many options for these wrestlers, and there's there's rosters that could use, um, you know, a direction with this rest. One of these wrestlers, you know, could really provide, I think, uh, to their roster. So let's – I have a list. We'll go down the list, and I'm going to kind of give my prediction on, on where they probably will show up as. Uh, first, first one – Mustafa Ali, uh, I mean, he's he's been a really reliable wrestler. He's put over a lot of people. Um, he's kind of always had issues trying to, well, first of all, they don't really let him speak, which, you know, is what it is. But he was, a, he, you know, he was willing to be a part of that terrible fucking group and try to hold that together during the pandemic era. I forgot what it was called, and I'm kind of happy about that. Um, He's a good in-ring wrestler, and he was doing his own promos online not too long ago. I, I thought he was decent as a heel. I loved his idea of being a babyface. You know, he's an ex-cop from Chicago, which couldn't have been easy at all. And the fact that he wanted to be projected as a, a Muslim wrestler in a positive light, not your usual, you know, Davari or Iron Sheik, you know, either Middle Eastern, you know, Indian, um, doesn't matter having that chic-like concept, you know, the basically the, the terrorist, if you will. And I think that I love the X Division right now in Impact. I'm not saying that he couldn't make it to AEW, but I think he would get kind of shuffled in the mix. But right now you have Chris Saban with the championship for the 10th time. You got Leo Rush that's a part of it. You got uh, just so many good wrestlers, Laredo Kid. Um, Mike Bailey, that are so different. It's kind of similar, but they're giving a lot more mic time to the cruiserweight division a couple of years back. They've really influxed so many talents uh, within it. Ace Austin, another person. So I think Mustafa Ali could do some some damage over an impact. And I'd like to see him go wherever he wants, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, but I think he's talented. I think that he's going to do well, Chris. Yeah, and it sucks that we didn't get more of like his idea for that character, especially going off some of the promos that we, they, you know, the WWE promos. I think me and you talked about this yesterday that they would put on Twitter, like here's who this guy is, but we're not going to show it on TV because 
what for whatever reason AEW is also guilty of this so i'm not just gonna bang on wwe for this but yeah Chris, like, they did it to big e while he had the title <laughs> yeah like, on fucking twitter i mean they do it to kevin owens <laughs> Like, you know, Kevin Owens and Jericho would be on their, like, Twitter, like, <laughs> there's nothing you could have cut from the show that we could get on, like, on live TV. Well, that's a whole different conversation, but um, I love his idea of, like, wanting to be a positive influence and, and you know, obviously, I, it's kind of, like, weird for me to talk about, but, like, it's the same thing that they did with Rey Mysterio, like, creating, like, a hero character that you could look up to that is a good guy, right? Um, when stereotypes in wrestling forever is, like, you're usually the villain because of your color, the color of your skin or your race or your, like, creed or religious background. I like his – I love that idea. And uh, like you were saying, with Impact, I think they would actually give him a platform where he would be able to get that across. And work through some of the, because he's never really been giving mic time in WWE. Like he would be able to work through a little bit of that, and it's recorded. So, uh, and and you have Scott Demore and and Lance Storm there to kind of help him through some of the earlier stages of it. I think it would work really, really well for him. And then if he wanted to go on and do AEW afterwards, I think that would be great. But I think the biggest thing for him is like everyone knows like he's pretty good in the ring. But like you said, there's a lot of pretty good in the ring people in AEW. You know what I mean? So like, go and establish the character that you want to be, and then go do that. You know, you know what I mean? Like, take that next step or or whatever. Um, which is not his fault. Like 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 we were saying, like he, they never gave the guy any meaningful feud. He was just an in ring hand, which is kind of a similar problem we'll talk about with Dolph Ziggler uh, through most of his career. But yeah, if you, I mean, I, I think it, like impact would be perfect for him because he can go there, establish the character that he wants to be, like his own character, come up with it, talk with Scott Demore, talk with Lance Storm, all those guys, and it's recorded so he can do multiple takes if he needs to for promos, a little less stress. It probably would be good for him in the long run to go there first. I feel like if he goes to AEW first, he'll get lost in the shuffle because everyone kind of does the shit that he does. And in some instances, better who are already stuck in a mid card. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> uh, let's go over two musicians. Um, I'm going to go over them both uh, together, uh, mostly because I see them go in probably to one location, not necessarily together. But we got Rick Boogs and we got Elias. Um, Elias, dude. Say what you want. I don't think he was anything special in the ring. I think he had like a very 80s. Uh, WWE style to him, which is not bad. It just, it was fine, but damn, he knew how to get himself over. And not, when I, not like Miro in his skill set, but like Miro could always, in the shittiest circumstance, get something over. I feel like Elias was handed crap. Like, hey, you're going to be your twin brother and fucking take off your beard. And a lot of people found that entertaining. Um, so I actually would like to see both these guys for different reasons end up in NWA. I actually think that if Elias was positioned and, you know, given Mike time, it, he could actually be a top guy in that company and even rival, if he has it for a, that long enough period of a time, someone like an EC3 uh, for the NWA title. But we'll find out. I just think that both guys, Rick Boogs loves pro wrestling. Um, I really felt bad when he tried to at WrestleMania, when he was tag teaming with Shinsuke in the opening match 
try to get, I think, both uh, Xavier and Kofi. It was either them or both Usos um, on his shoulders and completely threw out, you know, his ACL and, and tore it. Got back a year later. It's given a little bit. He's got a lot of enthusiasm. I remember when he was uh, Bugenheimer in NXT and doing that, yeah, you know, that 80s power singing. I just think that they're very entertaining. They got a classic style. They both have good looks for that company for different reasons. So I could see Rick Boogs, uh, personally to me, Chris, and Elias ending up at the NWA. For the lulls, I want them to show up in NWA as the new three-man band with Heath Slater. That would be kind of fun. Um, no, all kidding aside, I like Rick Boogs, that dude is strong. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He got bigger. This man got injured and was already huge. Now he's the size of a house. <laughs> so, uh, and he, between him and Elias, he is the better in ring wrestler. I think Elias has like the better look. And, um, like you said, is, has been able to turn like uh, chicken shit into chicken salad, so to speak. Elias would be very interesting to bring in and put with like a Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Rick Boogs would be very entertaining in NWA and Impact. I think uh, yeah. I, I think his I think his character, especially with NWA, because they kind of do off the wall stuff with their various versions of NWA because they change it seasonally, which shout out to them for going back to like YouTube. I think that is a good move for them as a company and getting getting the belt off tire. I'm going to put some love on NWA going back to YouTube, getting the belt off tires. I think they're doing some interesting things in that company right now. Uh, Rick Boob kind of fits there. Elias is. I don't even think he's that bad in the ring. It's just like, you know, he usually is the guy getting squashed. But it, like if you go watch like some of the matches he had with Seth, uh, which I mean, it's Seth Rollins. So take that for what it is. But I think he could actually probably do more. And it's one of those WWE. We don't want you to do that much situations with him because I remember him being pretty good in NXT. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll get El Vagabondo. Do you think they uh, <laughs> copyright that? <laughs> He'll show up as a lucha. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. But yeah, I don't, know. I, I don't. Something with him and Jeff Jarrett, I think would be would be fucking great. Like that would just be putting anyone with Jeff Jarrett's pretty fucking great to begin with. Right now, in Jeff Jarrett's old, I don't give a fuck man part of his career. But that would be pretty good. But any of those are good landing spots. With uh, with Elias being like as big as he is. And they need like a guy that's able to do because the big guys that they have there, they haven't been able to get over where I think if you put him with someone like uh, Jarrett and he can actually go in the ring and work like against small guys and big guys like Elias has been able to do in WWE and work that WWE style. He might actually be one of the big guys they could get over in AEW. Yeah, I could see it. Um. But we'll have to wait and see. A lot of these, that's what I'm saying, Elias, Rick Boogs, a lot of these guys have potential to, of doing big stuff. And who knows, maybe Ezekiel uh, will come out. Um, I can't believe this fucking website. I have to, like, rip on them a little bit. GameSpot, their list. It says, on Elias, Elias also portrayed his brother Ezekiel. Thank you for that fucking information. Like, we're, anyways. All right, um, <laughs> next person. He portrayed his brother like his brother is a real person. I like the way that was written, though. <laughs> They're keeping it kayfabe over there. 
get Jeez. that game spot. I guess you're right. Yeah, I shouldn't. Kayfabe's not dead, brother. Um, I feel bad. I mean, she's fine, but uh, been in WWE since 2015. Spent I think five years in NXT. Aaliyah made it to the main roster finally, and she kind of wasn't like just like NXT. She was someone that took the pins. I can't. I don't even know if she's skilled. Is what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm sure she has plenty of skill. And I'm sure there's plenty of places that she can go, uh, you know, from this impact, uh, you know, NWA and MLW have been trying to really get their women's division up there. Um, but, yeah. Kind of surprised, honestly, that Aaliyah is still there to begin with. Yeah, that's one of those weird contracts they needed to wash. Um because I'm sure that when she got promoted to the main roster, she got a pay bump and they they weren't really using her, uh, which it sucks. And uh, like you said, like I've watched a lot of her matches and you give someone five years to improve and they don't really. Well, yeah, I say this, but they just brought Nia Jax back. So, fuck, what do I know? Um, <laughs> that was Vince's last tire. Was rehiring <laughs> yeah. her. God damn it. That has to be written into the Dwayne The Rock Johnson contract or something for Mania. <laughs> like that's there's no other way that she should have been rehired. Um, uh, all kidding aside, like she's fine. She's she's not the worst person. She was not the worst female wrestler on the roster. She was not the best female wrestler on the roster. She never had a persona. They like there was no character development there. Maybe it's a good opportunity for her to go somewhere like the needs that like AEW would be a perfect landing spot for her because it's a bunch of people learning together. She could work with QT Marshall and um, like get in the ring and work with these people on the ring of honor shows and, and like some of the dark matches and stuff they have that might actually be good for her. I don't know. Maybe she's just not, she could be fucking great. Like an athletic freak and just doesn't work well with the WWE style of wrestling. You know, that uh, there's a lot of people that you could throw into that category. Like Swerve's, like Swerve is great, but like him working a WWE match is not great. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I agree. Well, here's a happy couple. Um, I think they're engaged and they're both working at WWE. Uh, as I said earlier, Emma just came back uh, recently uh, after being Tanel Dashwood on the Independence and especially in Impact Wrestling. Um, Emma Post. So they're doing they're planning on doing a big event in Australia soon. And she was like, oh, man, like, I, I love the fact that they're going to be going to Australia. Hopefully I can get on that card. And then she posted, I think it was five minutes later. Oh, never mind. I was let go of the company. So uh, her and Riddick Moss both let go. Rick's got a great physique. I, I don't get to see him enough in the ring. Like, I don't think he's bad or anything like that. He kind of reminds me a lot of Luger. Uh, visually, just with darker hair, basically, and a goatee, I could definitely see Impact being like, yeah, Emma, come home, and, you know, they like having big guys mixed in with the smaller guys, you know, like a Jake something is a good example of that, so I could see Riddick Moss um, kind of being treated as a top guy based on if he can get himself over on the mic, which, once again, I don't think either of them were given a chance, and I'll even say back... Emma tried everything, including that stupid Emmalina thing that they just pulled the plug on. And 
I don't think she's gotten a chance. I think that she was great as Sunil Dashwood uh, with her annoying. Uh, I forgot what the male assistant was that used to do like her social media, like on on a uh, on um Impact. Uh, really funny situation. So we'll see what happens. You know, she her Madison uh, Madison Rain lost the tag titles. I f- forgot who they put over. She went over to WWE. Nothing happened. And she made it on the chopping block along with her soon-to-be husband, Riddick Moss. Chris. Yeah, I didn't even know that they were, like, engaged, but congrats to those two. Sorry that you got future endeavored by WWE. Uh, with I'll start with Riddick, and then I'll move to Emelina, because I think – or Emma. Because I think Emma, like, actually had a great character and impact. I love, like you said, the social media thing that they were doing. I thought that was really fun. And – any wrestling company looking for like a female star, I think that you could do a lot of cool stuff with her. Uh, and WWE just missed the boat. They like they didn't understand her as a person or a character or what. It's kind of the thing we were talking about with Ali. Like maybe she has an idea of what the character should be, and they're just like, nah, maybe you're Emelina now. <laughs> you know, like all right, we have nothing for her to do, so let's just pay her to sit at home or whatever. That sucks. Uh, with Riddick, he's kind of in the same boat too because they made him fucking Madcap Moss. Do you remember this? <laughs> so they put him in a bunch of big matches and tried to get it over, but they saddled him with such a shitty gimmick that, like, when 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 I read Riddick Moss, it took me like five minutes to realize who he was. Like just looking at the list and not like a picture, it just said Riddick Moss. I was like, who the fuck is Riddick Moss? I had to like Wikipedia. It's like, oh, it's Madcap. Like. Okay. You know what I mean? Like they killed that off. And then once they killed that off, they didn't have anything for him to do. And WWE is bad about that. They move along. They got to keep the wheels turned into WrestleMania, baby. <laughs> like you're not part of the plan. You're not part of the plan. Um, so yeah, he, I, I thought he was pretty decent in the ring. I don't, re- I, I mean, I know that he hurt like one per. I can't remember who it was. Like he had one spot where he injured somebody and then he's kind of got t- taken off, but like freak accidents happen in wrestling. We'll talk about that a little bit with AEW. Um, oh, give, give the guy a chance. He's got, like you said, his physique, you know, like if you're MLW, you're, you know, NWA or OVW, might be a good pickup like the dudes had a lot of training and he wasn't like the matches i saw he wasn't terrible in the ring or anything other than being saddled with one of the worst names and gimmicks i've seen in a long time yeah you can't really get rid of that mad cap moss what the fuck was that um all right the next person this one's interesting so this is also a guy that's gotten fired now twice from the same company um and I, I'm assuming his group members are still a part of WWE, but, you know, I think Swerve really, once he was out of WWE, he's been doing great. I think, uh, you know, maybe not at first, but has built himself to a top person on AEW. Uh, his buddy Top Dollar apparently just really buttheads with a lot of people in the back. Um, attitude issues. Uh, I mean, he was literally made fun of by the commentary team. Uh, and a lot of the stuff uh, positioned when he was going against other people. So you got to assume, like before in the past, that was, uh, you know, pettiness because of his mouth uh, that got him there. But, I mean, he's got personality. I liked him on – I liked him in NXT. Uh, I thought him and Swerve were my two favorite people within that group, obviously. 
Mike-wise. I thought that he was good on that one treasure show, you know. Um, I think I my if I'm saying like what I'd like to see, I'd love to see Top Dollar hook up with Shane Taylor, become part of Shane Taylor Promotions, and be a dominant tag team possibly uh, in uh, in Ring of Honor. Um, but I think I once again I don't remember enough of his work in the ring to be one way or the other about it. Um, I just know that Vince, I think Jim Cornette calls him flop dollar. Uh, so that's funny, I guess. Uh, yeah, he's taking some weird, I, I get why Jim would say that, but, uh, Jim Cornette, I, Corn, I'll call him corny because I don't, I don't know him on a first name basis, but I, I get why he says that. Uh, I mean, he, so the top dollar thing is weird because he was so good at being entertaining that they put him on a TV show and then he probably asked for more money and they fired him. And then they rehired him and put him on the main roster with a new contract and like maybe he wasn't ready for that. So that he's kind of like a weird situation, but I think he is entertaining and and there probably is something there. Putting him with a like Shane Taylor Promotions or something that could be interesting. And it's on Ring of Honor, you know, like it's a recorded show. Maybe there's some there's something you could do there. Uh, I I was kind of like I'm just kind of surprised that they. <laughs> they fired multiple members of this group, but still have a group, which is the weirdest thing. You know what I mean? Cause they didn't fire the other two members whose names are escaping me right now. Uh, but like you said, like, I don't know that it like if he held them up over some money or something, because they did just start burying him on commentary specifically like his physique and stuff. Like that seems very much like a, jbl vince mcmahon like we're gonna poke fun at this guy because he pissed us off in the back kind of thing and and that's not that's not cool that's not cool um but we'll, we'll see what happens to top dollar um, who knows maybe i don't know shane was added to their group they all were together beforehand but who knows maybe we could see uh or not shane swerve um him show up as like swerve's bodyguard or something his diesel or some shit uh, put them back together. So we'll we'll find out what happens to Top Dollar. Uh, I was this gonna, one, I, I, before we move on, I will say if you're going to fire anyone from that group, it should be be Fab because she's both terrible in the ring and a terrible personality. Yeah, I think is is that the isn't she the girl that that was uh, dating Ice Cube in Friday? <laughs> which which one? The ain't nothing but a hooch mama. Hood right, hood right, yeah. hooch mama. Okay. Um, Friday soundtrack. Gorgeous. Friday soundtrack. Look that up on Spotify. It's pretty fucking good. Um, Yeah, she went on to be Will Smith's girlfriend in Fresh Prince Bel Air. That's there you go. Towards the end there, and they almost get married. Facts. All right. So um, another person with the company since 2002. I think that was partially with OVW. Left 2010, went to Ring of Honor. Uh, him and Charlie Haas got back together as a tag team. Did pretty good. Came back. And other than being a part of uh, Bobby Lashley's group, um, I mean, Shelton's a great fucking wrestler. He's always had a problem on the mic. He's even admitted that in interviews, that that's definitely held him back. But I would love to see, and I don't know where they go, but I would love to see him and Haas 
if if Charlie is still wrestling, which I'm pretty sure he still is, reunited, maybe go on a tag team run, uh, show up at Impact, maybe a couple other places or something like that. But, uh, you know, I could see Shelton going in the Hall of Fame, probably not too soon, but, you know, I could see him a part of a class within, like, I don't know, the next, like, eight years or something like that. He's definitely a great wrestler. Just like on the OVW documentary, they're like, oh, yeah, we had an amazing class. Uh, when Jim Cornette was there, you know, this produced Randy Orton, this produced uh, Brock Lesnar, John Cena, um, Batista, and then they didn't say Shelton Benjamin. I was like, Shelton always gets the, uh, the shit end of the stick a little bit, but what do you think, Chris? Where do you think Shelton's going to go? Or He might retire. Who knows? Right back to New Japan, baby, because that's where he was before they re-signed him in WWE. <laughs> we'll make good money over there. He'll make good money, and he doesn't have to worry about the promo thing. They'll throw him in a G1. He can have good matches with people and just do Shelton Benjamin shit. They fucked Shelton Benjamin, by the way, and MVP to some extent, because they had like a really cool group going with Bobby Lashley, Shelton Benjamin, um, MVP, Cedric. Like That was like a cool, neat idea that they had that they kind of like – fucked with way too much because like all of those guys can go and have good matches and are very entertaining and the tag team with him and cedric were was like pretty like in comparison to the rest of the wwe tag team division it's pretty good um yeah but i I would i would assume with, with with knowing that he was in new japan before and has been part of g1s in the past and has had good matches there i would assume he would do new japan strong in new japan if he wants to or he could just straight retire like you said I mean, he's been sitting at home for the past, like, year. I can't remember the last time I saw Shelton Benjamin, so maybe he just wants to continue to sit at home. You know, like, when's the last time Shelton Benjamin was on TV? That's a good question. Um, I have and that's, no nothing, that's nothing against Shelton. That's like, why are you paying people to do nothing? <laughs> that's, you know. Yeah, I'm sure the people over at Endeavor were like, why are you paying people to do nothing? And that's what happened. Um, this next guy, uh, Davicato. I mean, at one part he was, uh, uh, Paulo Cruz's, you know, enforcer, um, during the pandemic, I think he, uh, had a stare off with, um, what, what's the, what's the big Nigerian dude? Um. And that was it. I mean, I, I don't know anything that he's done, basically, besides that. He was part of Shane Mc... Wasn't he part of Shane McMahon's fight club or whatever? Yeah. And I remember him and um, Omos had a big stare down. And I was like, during the pandemic, and I was like, what the fuck was that? Because I think they tried to wrestle and it was pretty terrible for a second. Um, they yeah. Dabakato Dabaka- was back in NXT not that long ago, and he had like a couple of decent matches. But I, um, yeah, that one's kind of weird because that's just WWE signs big people and then they immediately push them without training them how to wrestle properly. You know, but I could actually see him working out in either a situation like NWA or even Impact. Because if he just got like better training, he still is a big guy. And being a big guy, you don't even have to be that good, honestly. You just have to be imposing and throw people around and shit. So not yeah, everyone's it's more of, Paul White and fucking Andre, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's more about how you're booked, right? Like, so they give you like you can't give them a hard push and then have them lose to like AJ Styles. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know, if you're gonna make a monster, you got to make a monster. Um, I would have faith in them doing that well in Impact with Lance Storm and and Scott Demore. I think they could, you know, they build El Toros as a monster, and he's he's like my height, so they can. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that would that would actually be kind of neat because they need they need a they need another big hoss there like a big like a big guy they could make into a monster and um he just he just wasn't ever really polished in the ring and I don't think that's his fault he just kind of got shoved into that storyline with Shane and then forgot about and then he had, he like I said he had a couple decent matches on NXT not that long ago one was with Ilya so it doesn't really count because that guy pretty sure that me and Ilya could have like a, a three-star match right now <laughs> mostly him throwing my dead body around but it would probably be pretty good um but yeah <laughs> i i he he's kind of a weird he's a weird one um you know good luck to the man hopefully he'll land somewhere and like you said impact or nwa like you might as well take a shot on the guy because he was still on he was on an NXT deal, so he wasn't getting paid like ridiculous money or anything. So, all right. Well, this next one's been with the WWE since 2013. Miss Dana Brooke. Uh, poor Dana. Seems like you know she's she's really great with gym you know gymnastics and whatnot. She's good in in the ring. I think another person who kind of suffered from the mic. Her mic skills, basically, to to sell whatever. And I, I, I hate to say this, but her turning heel and kind of doing similar to Natalia, like being the veteran that's been there in NXT, I think was really working for her. And she was able to work with some of the younger girls, help them out. Um, This is someone that I, I mean, I kind of think Impact, you know, but she also has some name recognition. So maybe AEW would be interested in, in her, too. But... Uh, I just think Dana's another person where I just, whether she was Charlotte's like little peon or uh, Natalia's little peon or whatever, you know, they just, they never did anything with her, basically. Yeah, they, I mean, they had that big storyline with her. They were going to do that big, they were going to do the Trish, um, Mickey James storyline with her and Charlotte and then dialed it back because they were going to do like the, stalker thing and they did the same thing with alexa bliss and uh nikki as well so like they did a start stop with her which kind of hurt and then they just utilized her as a fall person for their bigger stars uh dana brooks super sweet talked to her uh, on twitter multiple times really really nice person i only wish the best for her. great physique i i think her in-ring work is is pretty good not the best i mean she's not fucking you know, Charlotte Flair or anything or Rhea Ripley, but she's a solid in-ring hand and definitely somewhere you could throw in the mix in AEW or Impact somewhere. I, th- I think that's fair to say. Also, I don't know how much like the breakup with her and uh, Batista hurt her stock in that company because, you know, WWE's weird about shit like that. So, Oh, I didn't know they, they, they got together. That's That's cute. But then I always go back to the story of Bruce Pritchard explaining how ginormous uh, Batista's Batista is, so kind of scary a little bit. Uh, she's dating a UFC fighter now, but before that, yeah, she was dating Batista. That was like 
during the time that he came back. So like, I don't know. That's all rumor mill shit. It doesn't matter. She's, she's super sweet. She seems like she's really good with fans. I think she's decent in the ring. I loved when she was with Titus worldwide. Like when you're talking about Mike stuff, she was really good as part of Titus worldwide. Um, so I don't know. I forgot about that. Yeah, she that she would be someone I would take a chance on, especially if you're AEW and you have no fucking idea what you're doing with your women's division. Um, all right, so next two, kind of are a little bit of a package, and uh, might have gotten in trouble for running their mouth. Uh, Mansoir and what the fuck did they call him? Mason Mansoor? Mansoor obviously being the wrestler um, from Saudi Arabia that kind of was like the baby face for that event, but they never really used him too much. Good, you know, cruiserweight high-flying wrestler. Uh, I actually liked a lot of his basics. He had passion when they allowed him to get on the mic. Usually it would only be in Saudi Arabia. And then this whole entire thing with him and Mace. And I'll say, I when Mace got in Brock Lesnar, when, when they put him on commentary, and they took him off quickly, and I thought actually he brought, he was good on commentary, but they got rid of him quickly, and like his last night was, you know, Brock was I think threatening um, one of the commentators, maybe it was Corey Graves, and he got in his face, and it was like, whoa, this motherfucker's big. And then Brock, of course, destroyed him and f fived him through the table. But still, I digress. Um, the biggest thing, I don't know where I could see them. MLW, you know, could be a good place. Um, you know, Monsoir, you know, Monsoir. I'm trying to go back to his fucking model name, Monsoir. Um, maybe over in Impact in the X Division. But, yeah, they pissed off WWE because they went and kind of talked a lot and included a uh, an, an altercation that no one knew about between Gunther and Matt Riddle, apparently, um, in, in which Matt Riddle was basically trying to get Gunther to punch him and wouldn't do anything. And I saw a lot of people call Gunther a pussy. It's like, yeah, let's 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 break down to the level of the guy that's, you know, this close to getting fired. And oh wow, we'll be talking about him soon. Um, so, you know, Matt Riddle is going to go to AW for the trade for CM Punk for backstage shover, and we'll be trading Dolph Ziggler <laughs> for um, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know. Um, who's going to WWE next? Anyways, uh, what do you think is going to happen with Marseille and Mansois and and, and their model agency. Okay, I'm going to bury WWE for a second with this. So they fired Tyler Breeze and Fandango. They broke them up as a team and then have tried to recreate this gimmick how many times since then? Why would they have not just kept Tyler Breeze and Fandango? I don't know. They they had the maximum male models, and then on SmackDown they had uh God, what is that tag team's name? It's escaping me. They they were kind of poking fun at the AEW Roderick Strong injury and the vignette. He dropped his drink. I'm trying to think of that. I can't think of the tag team's name. But basically they they keep trying to do this comedic tag team hot guy gimmick, and it's like you you already had it. Like you had it with Tyler Breeze and Fandango. Like I don't. Uh, Mansoor, I feel bad for her because like the idea was like, here's a guy that you can cheer from that that's from Saudi Arabia. He's a baby face. He does cool shit. And then they did maximum male models and it was a huge groan. And I think even I said at the time, like, why the hell would you fire <laughs> Taylor Breeze and 
or Tyler Breeze and, and Fandango to get up two other dudes to do the same gimmick, but not as good. Hey, remember uh, when LA so, Knight was a part of that? <laughs> yeah, that lasted like all of two weeks. They're like, he's too good to be part of this. <laughs> um, Jesus. Yeah, I and the God uh, with Mace, I I only kind of remember the thing that you were talking about where he was on commentary and then he was part of that very terrible group that we can't remember the name of ever that were interfering <laughs> with Raw. Uh, with J-Bar and J-Brone and K-Jab or whatever the fuck that group, that group was terrible. Um, but yeah, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know for either of those. Mansoor, uh, maybe there's something there. We just, I, I haven't seen enough of him because like these big moments were all at the Saudi Arabia shows. It was very much like, let's put, put the local guy over. So it's kind of hard to say other than that, he was part of maximum max like the male models thing, which was a terrible gimmick. And like I said, like if you wanted to do it, you already had two people that you fired. that were doing it already. WWE's baffling sometimes when it comes to shit like that. Well, speaking about recycling, um, and I only saw a little bit of him, but I, I heard that there was problems with him in the back. Basically, what would happen if Velveteen Dream ate two Velveteen Dreams? And that's Quincy Elliott uh, came out in a little scooter, very flamboyant. Uh, like I said, apparently there was some issues backstage with attitude or whatnot. Not 100% sure. Didn't see a lot of them, but he was basically Velveteen Dream, just a much bigger version of that. Yeah, obviously, like, negative, like, if on a scale of 100, he would have been, like, negative 90, because I don't remember who this guy is at all, honestly. He, I, he was kind of, like, a more flamboyant CeeLo type character. <laughs> so he had, he had really tiny hands and likes to hang out with Trick Daddy. <laughs> all right, uh, next, another one that I feel bad for. Shanky... He actually wasn't bad in the ring for his size. It's the fact that his voice sounds like this. It's so high pitched. He just doesn't. It doesn't matter if he's like fucking seven one. It just kind of neutralizes that. So I thought some of the funnier shit that he was doing towards the end was entertaining. But I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, like I, I don't know. You take the giant guy that has the voice like that and make him a monster. That seems like pretty easy in most places, you know. Make him a baby face. Do the uh, the great Kali thing with him, kind of. <laughs> but still make him a monster, like where people make fun of his voice until he snaps and then murders them. Uh, I agree with you. I think he was pretty decent in the ring. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Obviously, Put a mask on him. Make him like Kane or some shit. Give him a fucking you know? mouthpiece. Give him a manager. Just don't let him talk on the fucking mic. Or if you're going to let him talk on the mic, make it like a great colleague comedy thing. He could still be a monster, but like, you know, there's room for that in wrestling. Can't everyone be the, you know, can't everyone be giant 96 in WCW or, or Andre? <laughs> like, just because you're big doesn't mean you equate to great wrestler. Yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, there's a couple. 
there's there's three bigger ones left, I would say, but a couple from NXT. I don't know any of them, so I apologize. Bryson Montana, Brooklyn Barlow, um, Kevin Ventura Cortez, and you see Ulyssa Leon. All are young. I'm sure have plenty of potential to show off their skills within the industry. Uh, sorry to hear that they went, but a bigger one, Eichmann Jira or Eichmann Jiro. What happened to the jacket man? Uh, you know, at one part, he got over just wearing a jacket while wrestling, and he was entertaining as hell. And then they put him with Kushida, and I think Kushida saw, oh, shit, they're trying to make us the next fucking, um, what the hell was that, Kai and Tai, and got the fuck out of there for smart reasoning. But <laughs> I, this guy, I could definitely see doing some stuff in Impact. He seems like a personality that would fit in there. He's got... And who knows? I've never seen him. I don't know where he came from uh, before this, but now that he's raised his stock as a character, maybe he goes back to Japan and is someone that ends up in New Japan or um, I'm forgetting, I'm blanking on the other name, uh, the other one that Masawa, Masawa started uh, that does stuff in New Japan. But either so of those he, he came over with Shotzi and Riddle and uh, Gabe Sapolsky. What was that? What was his company's name? Oh, evolve, evolve. Yeah, he was a he was an evolve guy, and I remember putting Eichmann super over uh, when he was like featured in NXT before they put it, even before they put him in the tag team with Kushida, because I thought it was kind of unique what he was doing, and maybe WWE just saw that as like a one note thing, but a lot of people saw Orange Cassidy as a one note thing, and uh, guess what? <laughs> He's pretty goddamn good. So, yeah, I, I think that that guy uh, going to Impact or get, uh, New Japan Strong or hell, even even AEW, because they seem to let people let their freak flags fly uh, for sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. But, yeah, like I was surprised because I thought that guy was super fucking over with the crowd. He had like a unique thing that he would do with his jacket and which was to me was interesting because that's like in jujitsu when people use the gi against someone, I always thought that was like super kind of cool. Like if you go back to the first UFC one, that's like Ken Shamrock complains about like, yeah, he beat me, but he was like choking me with his fucking gi or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. For that. <laughs> uh, which I thought, but that's cool. Right. Like he, he using your ring gear is part of it, but like also tying it into wrestling. Like I thought that was kind of cool and he, he moves well in the ring and stuff, but we didn't get enough of him for me to talk about like his character or anything really, but it's, it's unique. And uh, I think that was like one of Gabe Sapolsky's guys, which are like right now, the only Gabe Sapolsky person left that would have been a top person in evolve would be Shotzi. Cause we're about to talk about another one. Trying to think of anyone else that would have came from there during that time period. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but let's talk about Mr. Matt Riddle. Oh, Lord. This kind of came after everything uh, by himself. You know, made mention about the fact that he was let go from WWE. Uh, apparently, there. I mean, there's been so many issues with Matt. Unfortunately, <sighs> probably should have been let go a long time ago. Uh, I understand everyone loves RK Bro, but as a liability with certain issues, I mean, most recently, getting in a confrontation with the IC champion, who he's known, they've known each other for years. So whatever the fuck happened, you wanted to fight him. That's not good. 
the whole airport thing where he claimed that a police officer, which from what other people, both wrestlers that were on the airline and people that worked at the airport said that he was definitely heavily intoxicated, uh, got pat down and said that one of the police officers molested him and made this huge post rambling on about it. And it was taken down very quickly. Before this, we have the incident where one of his exes that he cheated on his wife with claimed that he forced her to give, uh, you know, him fellatio in the backseat of a car. Uh, you know, even though he claims and, and took her to court and everything, still did not look good. Um, especially, you know, allegation-wise, I understand he was also a pain in the ass in the back, but Velveteen Dream got, you know, thrown out for, I think, less. Um, than what he was accused of. He had a lot of potential, you know, but he was his own worst enemy in UFC. Um, I just think that Matt, you know, when the whole porn stars after his wife dating them and being fucked up and, you know, getting in huge arguments at clubs and shit, it's like, I think he needs to grow up. He's in his late thirties and he just fucked up his chance with WWE and he worked his ass off and evolved to get there and other organizations and it's just it's too bad he's talented as hell um you know he kind of reminds me in a lot of ways like if Rob Van Dam and Ken Shamrock had a baby you know but another thing I think Matt has problems with is if he's not working off of someone and he's not playing a overly cocky character like more of like a kind of heelish he just is a fucking goofball and I don't know. I, I maybe someone that can make a uh, an impact. Uh, you know, no pun intended. Go to Impact, rebuild himself. Maybe end up on AEW. I don't know if they want to deal with, you know, some of the stuff that that, especially with what they've fucking gone through as of lately. I could see them being like, he's talented, but do we really want another fucking person here? Um, I don't know. It's it's pretty crazy. I don't know, Chris. Where where could you see Matt Riddle end up, or is he maybe just gonna take a break for a while and try to like figure things out? Yeah, I mean, like if he if he really did, which this is all third party information, but if he really did slap Walter and try to start an altercation, then this makes like CM Punk look like a fucking Boy Scout with the rest of the shit this man has done throughout his career in WWE or has been accused of doing throughout his career in WWE. Because you have, like, forced fellatio with other people in the car as an accusation. Uh, You have cheat on your wife with porn star. You have cocaine suspension. You have drunken intoxication and accusing people of molesting you in an airport. Um, Plus, like, multiple shows where he was just, like, gone, stoned-wise. If you're... If you're fucking AEW, you don't touch this thing with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> like, they do not need anything else <laughs> as far as, like, behind-the-scenes happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, if Impact wants to take a shot on them, that's on them. That's, like, that's a recorded show. They could deal with that shit. It won't be as big of a platform because, like, everyone yeah, is but- looking for the next fuck-up in AEW. Could... Can Tommy Dreamer, Scott Demore, and fucking Lance Storm wrangle him in? Or would they even want to do it? <laughs> I know he has I mean, name 
competition. I mean, RK Bro was really popular, so there is that going for him. I mean, hopefully he becomes like a redemption story. You know that. I mean, that's what we can we can all hope for, right? Like, uh, obviously the guy's got some some things going on. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they can. I don't know. That's not. That's kind of a hard. That's a hard thing to judge. I mean, I like Matt Riddle a lot. I don't remember him having any of these problems when he was in Evolve and wrestling in PWG and shit. Uh, I will agree with you. Like, he plays. He is better as a tag wrestler if you want him to be a babyface. Uh, but the King of Bros, like him being an obnoxious fucking dude, bro heel, was great in Evolve. Yeah. So you could pull him into any company and he could play that character. But if you're AEW, like, just steer clear. Because that company has always has some, or, or or maybe not, because it seems like they like bullshit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, where there's smoke, there's fire. Because... Obviously, they liked him. They promoted him in the main roster. He had title runs. He had main event matches against, like, Reigns. They had him team with Randy Orton. Like, that should be a red flag for you if you're AEW that they were willing to fire this guy. Who is still over. And we're booking with Drew McIntyre currently. So, like, that should be a red flag of, like, maybe don't hire this guy. At least not right now. Like, let 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 the ashes... (laughs) simmer down um because it's not like wwe didn't push this guy or or put him in main events or you know his is kind of more his is like more like fuck this guy than anything else with the rest of the people that got released because it's like dude dude, like you were actively being pushed it's not many people to get a team with randy orton and have matches with reigns and seth rollins and stuff so that's uh he seems like he kind of just screwed screwed the pooch in this situation. I don't think this was one of their like we like we just got to cut contracts. Uh, it's it, that one seems more like this guy is kind of becoming a liability. It's true. It definitely is. Uh, another place I could think of that I could I think Matt Riddle actually would do really well in is New Japan. Um, you know, he could be a big gaijin talent going over there or, you know, now that we keep on saying it, New Japan Strong's over here. So that's a that's another idea. Um, and their management not used to him. So maybe they don't know about all the shit <laughs> or don't care. <laughs> There's that as well. More just don't care. Um, yeah, it just sucks because Matt Riddle is a great talent in the ring. He's a really good wrestler. I think his heel gimmick is great. Like, I'm not taking anything away from him as a worker, but, you know, if you're WWE, in fact, like, there's a lot of things that have happened with wrestlers that you probably just want to step away from, especially as a publicly traded company that just got sold for $8.7 billion. Like, you already have the UFC side that has crazy shit happening all the time. You don't need the professional wrestlers out here doing wild shit. So I, that one was not surprising to me as far as a release. And, and let me just say Enzo and fucking Velveteen dream were fired for way less and weren't even give it as much time and, you know, slaps on the wrist that Matt Riddle was. So, you know, it's just uh, it is what it is. I just assume it's uh, I just assume it's because Matt Riddle has that good shit, dude. <laughs> that's, that's like, hey, hey, Vince, you want those good nugs, man? Yeah, dense nugs. 
<laughs> I just have to I'm assume but... that's that's what it was. That yeah, and, like that's re- good shit. Uh, that and Randy Orton. That had... since Acapulco Gold in the seventies. All right, sorry. Because <laughs> I know that like him and Orton were like actual friend, like boys. So I, maybe Randy Orton had carried him through some of that, where most people would have gotten fired. Yeah. All right. Do you want to talk about the last one, the big one? Oh, yeah, dude. Looks like we might as well pop it off. All right. So since. Uh, He's been wrestling for the company in some way, obviously through OVW uh, since 2004. Mr. Dolph Ziggler, or I guess we're going to have to get used to if he decides to, you know, keep on going and wrestling. Nick Nemeth, which honestly is a cooler name, I got to say. I think that's a pretty cool wrestling name. Dolph is not a like what the Dolph? Like, where the fuck did they even get that name from? But either way. The, the Ziggler uh, part was always the baffling part because I assumed the Dolph thing was like Dolph Lundgren because of the blonde yeah, hair. Okay. Maybe that makes sense a little bit more, but um, dude, I just, you know, Dolph during the era of the reality era, which was the late 2000s, early 2010s, he was one of the bigger guys uh, in the company, you know, in a time period that had stars like Punk um, Brian Danielson, Miz, uh, Sheamus, Kofi. He definitely was a part of that. And people wanted to see Dolph go places. And they they got it when he got the world title from uh, TLC. But it was short-lived. And, uh, you know, him being a part of a heel team with Vicky Guerrero. Uh, and then later with AJ Lee um, and uh, Big E as his, like, you know, bodyguard. I, from what everyone says, because I, I didn't really witness it a lot live. I've seen a lot of his matches because I go back and watch them, but it just seems like the 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 stuff that all the wrestlers say, whether it be like a legend like Ric Flair or someone like John Cena or The Miz uh, that directly worked with him, you know, he was a worker's worker. He is extremely safe in the ring. Uh, kind of like the sensibilities of Brett, but the stylistically more so of of Sean. Uh, but he could he could work with anyone. He was one of the best, you know, guys from his generation. Sometimes he overdid it, but it's very much like Sean. But like at selling, you know, fucking took the best beer. Uh, just made it look like it killed him. And he was good on the mic. And he was a good-looking guy. It just like it it. He's he's constantly compared to Kurt Henning, um, probably because they both were wrestlers, even though Dolph, and a lot of people don't know this, has a record for the most wins at Kent State, which is a fucking huge accomplishment. He was a very acclaimed uh, amateur wrestler. Um, I just think that he had everything, and I don't know what happened, but he basically became the gatekeeper, which is not the best person to be. That means that you are... It, it, I think it exceeds being a good in-ring hand because you're like, all right, we got to get this guy going. Who can we put him in a program with to get him over and have really good matches? Oh, Dolph Ziggler. Okay, we'll have him. Dolph, you're going to lose every single one of them pretty much, but you got to get this guy to a certain level. And I don't think he was really given enough to, to get to his own level. I, I think that start, stop, and then me and you kind of, 
got to the point, especially you, because I don't blame you. You watched him. You couldn't take it seriously as much. Like he had a great he had great matches with Seth Rollins. And I hated the fucking Iron Man match, mostly because the, the people were doing the fucking Royal Rumble countdown to it. Uh, but you can't care about someone if you constantly see them lose. And it doesn't matter. His last good feud was against the Miz. And then after that, it was completely and that was for the IC title. And I think that him, the Miz, uh, a couple guys really they were good IC champions, uh, you know, during their time periods. But after that, and I mean, the whole entire feud was Miz telling him that he was washed up and that he didn't have it anymore, basically. But they had some good matches. They had a good feud. And then after that, like I said, he was gatekeeper. And that was it. And uh, I'll talk about where I'd like to see him. But, uh, Chris, like I said, you watched Dolph far, you know, you watched him in his prime, whereas I have had to go back and watch. Were you a part of that tangent, I watched... that, really, that tangent that really wanted him to get to more of a, a bigger level and kind of just witnessed him just stop and start? I think the biggest one with the start and stop with Dolph where they actually really had something is where he won Survivor Series, which he ended up beating three people as the last man on. I can't remember if he was on Raw or the SmackDown side, but he had this huge comeback, gets wins like three three pins in a row and has like it does some of the best selling. I mean, it's very HBK. You know, that's that's always going to be the knock against Dolph is maybe he leans too hard in that. But in today's age where like everyone is just doing fucking tribute matches, it doesn't annoy me as much as it used to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, look at look at the last two episodes of AEW and be like, oh, they're doing a tribute to this. They're doing a tribute to this. So now that everyone just does it, it doesn't bother me as much. But Dolph, like Dolph has like a lot of shout outs to Sean, which, you know, Sean's fucking great. So. Um, so that, I mean, that's always been more of the knock against him, but the, the, the time period in which he was the hottest and had the biggest chance was when he won that survivor series match and he could have went on a run from there and they didn't do it. They, I mean, I, I don't know why they've never pulled the trigger on, on Dolph. I don't know if Vince just doesn't like the guy he's been like kind of at the cusp of getting a push for a very long time, similar to Brian Danielson in some ways. But he never hit that level of like the fans pushing him hard enough against the company for it to happen, um, which is what eventually happened with Brian Danielson, Money in the Bank, cash in the big WrestleMania moment, or or even Kofi's uh, big moment of winning the title. It's like Dolph's kind of weird because you have the the fan base is like he's just doing Shawn Michaels shit. Uh, because he he's done that a lot. But then when you gave the number of like, well, he's wrestled more matches than anyone on Raw ever. It's like, well, it's not that he's always doing Shawn Michaels shit. It's just that we've seen him wrestle so much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it seems like he's doing it more than he probably actually is. Um, you you I think, thought, just real quick, do you, do you think that now everyone's fucking doing Shawn Michaels shit? Do you think it was Dolph was the first guy to start doing that, that it it put the spotlight on him? Because now, I mean, everyone's doing super kicks. Everyone has a lot of Sean in them. Uh, do you think that that tribute was too obvious at the time because Dolph was probably one of the first guys to really start doing that? Well, see, the thing about Ziggler is it's not 
he's not doing HBK's moves. He's doing HBK's selling. Yeah. No one cares if you do HBK spots. They uh, they care if you sell like HBK does for whatever reason. I don't know. It's always been a weird knock against him, and I've knocked him for it before. If it gets, especially in the Royal Rumble, like he gets like he always does the one Sean spot from the Rumble, and and now everyone, like I said, now everyone does it. So it doesn't. <laughs> it's like even it's not even a knock against him. I'm gonna put him over because like he. You know, like even as a gatekeeper, if you wanted to put him in NXT and just give him the title, which they did uh, against Braun Breaker and people like that, like he's still he would still have been a perfect fit for that role. I don't know why they're so allergic to paying NXT talent money, uh, especially because it's a televised show that, you know, does 700,000 people of viewers or whatever a week like. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Like, it's it's crazy to me that he's never like he won the title with Vicky as a heel. And that was also You got to remember, that's the same time period that Jack Swagger also held the title as a heel. They were just trying to make opponents for Cena. And it's it's a weird time period of wrestling. The Dark Ages, as I called it <laughs> earlier today, if like we're in a boom period, you guys didn't have to live through the Dark Ages. That's nothing against Ziggler or his talent in the ring. I mean, this is a guy started in OVW, was part of Shane McMahon's spirit squad, became Dolph Ziggler, won a title, and went on to be like have great matches with a lot of top talent. They, they just maybe wrong like right guy wrong place as far as Dolph Ziggler goes but when he was kind of at the height of his career there was nowhere else for him to fucking go um but he's never he has never crapped on that company very company guy and he's always like if you listen to interviews with Dolph Ziggler he's always been like I never thought about like thought about wrestling that way he's like I just want to be I just want to go out and have the best match I can and make sure that like anyone I have a, a match with they look better than they did before the match, which is like kind of shows you the wrestler that Dolph Ziggler is and, and why so many people have respect for him and why I'm assuming that he's immediately going to AEW because Brian Danielson and him had some bangers of match in good feud. And I'm sure Brian Danielson's like licking his chops, like, okay, <laughs> bring this guy in now that Brian Danielson's like second under Tony Khan for collision or whatever. It sounds like he's pretty much second under uh, Tony Khan in general. But yeah, no, I agree with you. And uh, Dolph, I mean, you got to, John Cena, put it right out there. I mean, we were talking about raw matches beforehand. And like I said, I think he's third or second. I know Kane's beating him and maybe one other person. But I saw that stat. John Cena laid out all the matches. 1,554 match- matches. Hashtag respect. Hashtag Dolph Ziggler. Uh, and like I said, John doesn't have to fucking do that. He's a very busy guy. Yeah, I don't know. As soon as fucking John posted that tweet, they should have rehired Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Cena didn't do them any favors. He probably upped Ziggler's stats a little bit, like as far as getting re-signed. Like I don't I I thought him and Bobby Roode were as the Dirty Dogs were like a like a good tag team. They didn't do anything with them. Like and even as a like I said as a gatekeeper in NXT, I thought that was like interesting, especially like him going against Braun Breaker and some of the younger people. Like 
if you can't find anything for Dolph Ziggler to do, then you have failed as a promotion. <laughs> yeah, um, I think honestly, man, and like like I said, Ric Flair said a lot of good things about him. I know Rick's been putting him over like probably to a point where it annoys some of the guys in WWE. But if he gets a chance to talk to him, like, I don't know what the fuck they're doing with them. Like Dolph's got it all, man. He's a he's a fucking man's man. You know, he looks great. He can sell. He can wrestle. But he's been friends with him for a number of years. And uh, I know Dolph probably looks up the flair like a lot of guys do. But, you know, it just they they brought flair in to do uh my protege thing with both him and uh, both Ziggler and Miz. Uh, Cause you know, they like to repeat stories in WWE. So, <laughs> I mean, that make that makes sense of why, you know, Rick and also like, I, yeah, I could see that cause Rick loves HBK. And I mean, that's like I said, the, the big, the, the, the Mark fan knock against Ziggler has always been like, he sells like HBK. He oversells. Well, I'll even put it a step further. It's like I've made the joke like and Dolph, like I said, was one of my favorite in the last several years. I see champions like I feel like he brought something to that belt like a lot of people haven't. Uh, Gunther being the best example now. But, you know, he was like every cocky, either cocky baby face blonde or heel blonde major IC champion. You can say, hey, kind of, you know, Dolph has a little bit of him like Kurt Henning fucking. Uh, Jeff Jarrett, uh, Billy Gunn, uh, Sean, obviously, you know, when he had the blonde hair, when he was the heel IC champion, Owen Hart, uh, just it's like he's got a little bit of all of them in him. It, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I do. You, do you think he'll go top to the top of the card if he is picked up by AEW? If he has a non-compete. Or if he doesn't have a non-compete, I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up like as part of that three-way with Jericho, Omega, um, Abushi, Takashita, uh, Guevara, and then guess what? Here's fucking Ziggler. That'd be awesome. Which would um, be great because then you get to see Ziggler versus Omega, which a lot of people have wanted for a long time. Um, he'll immediately be part of a heel faction. He can cut heel promos, which I think he is better at being a heel than a baby face. Uh, if not, yeah, That's I mean, one for, hell of a team for, for, uh, <laughs> Don to have, if he's got now Sammy Guevara, he's got Takeshka, he's got, um, Will Ospreay technically. And now Dolph Ziggler's like the main guy, like, you know, the older dude, a part of it, like that'd be pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, and it would also be great if he came out with not blonde hair. <laughs> Dude, dye it black. <laughs> yeah, but he, I mean, he's going to be fine wherever he goes. I mean, he's like I said, uh, I know that Brian Danielson's always been really high on him because they've had great matches together. So it, it just makes the most sense of him. And it, you have his, his brothers there in AEW, so they could do a tag run. Yep. Um, there's, there's a ton of shit that you could do with him that just makes a lot of sense and aew is also the only company that could afford to give him the kind of contract that he had in wwe because even though they weren't doing much with him i heard that he is he was like in the top 15 of highest paid people yeah so but and there's another thing as much as it would be awesome aew makes the most sense and you know 
him and Omega. I mean, they are really about dream matches. Him and Omega, him and Danielson, him and Osprey down the line, um, him and whoever, you know, do a lot of those fast-paced matches. But Dolph can work a fucking great match with Eddie Kingston. He can work a great match with all the big players, basically. He can do stuff in Ring of Honor if he wants to and kind of be a dude there and go back and forth. Like, there's a lot of stuff that Dolph can do. But does Dolph want to, or should I say Nick Nemeth, does Nick want to do that? Because he loves doing stand-up. Maybe maybe this just soured him. I mean, it, it just seemed like the industry, through interviews, kind of just had soured him the last couple of years. I don't know if his passion is there, but if he really wants to fucking be like, all right, like, you know, I'm just a gatekeeper. I'm going to show you motherfuckers. I also think that he has that in him as well. And there's the factor of Matt Cardona, one of his best friends, who if Dolph wanted, it, before going to AEW, if he wanted to do that, he could just jump around NWA, go to Impact, do all that. And his be- best friend Matt has been doing and making a lot of money, you know, doing for the last couple of years. So it just depends on what Dolph wants to do, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think that any company would sign him, right? Uh, it's just like, is the money going to be right? That's yeah. the that's the caveat. He almost seems like he was cut for budgetary reasons from WWE. And and by that I mean, and I kind of I I think I was just talking to you about this yesterday. Like WWE has like a salary cap, <laughs> like it's the same in football. Of like, we got to get rid of this many people to have Cena, The Rock, and Punk, right? And that's like when you're talking about firing twenty people. When you're when you're talking about those three people in particular, that's how much money it would probably cost. Yeah. So it's it's a weird one because like like you know you would at least think even if they didn't want him on screen the man has a wealth of knowledge knows the WWE style knows how the company works that he would be a beneficial person to have backstage. Like I never thought in a million years he would get released by that company. Um even if they never used him like even if they just buried him at the performance center doing like teaching or something I didn't think they would ever like actually fire him. Yeah, man, it's that, nuts. And and you know what? There was another guy who was very disheartened and was talking in interviews like that. Uh, his name was John Moxley. <laughs> so make him meet Crow, Ziggler. <laughs> That's what I hope. I really hope that he does that. Because because uh, Moxley was in the same boat, right? Like he was miserable with what he was doing. Like he was going in there. He was giving the best match he could, like taking pins from people giving ideas no one wanted to listen to. And that's kind of how Ziggler has sounded in a lot of his interviews. But it like, hey, man, <laughs> there's a spot for you, especially when Brian Danielson and Moxley and Christian, they all like you. Like, there's definitely a spot for you. Yeah, Dolph will do great wherever he is. He really will. And, you know, there, the one last thing to talk about, oh, he's too old. He's fucking 43. Brian Danielson's the same age as him. AJ's a year older. Kenny is 40. So put that perspective. If you take care of yourself, and I'm sure Dolph has taken care of himself, I think about Jericho. You know what I'm saying? Like, people are fucking stupid. Yeah, Ziggler also works smart, 
too. He hasn't had a ton of injuries, and because he doesn't do a bunch of high spots and shit, uh, I mean, he you could easily see him going the distance of a Jericho if he wanted to, right? Like, he's not known for doing crazy shit. It's actually insane that Kenny Omega is still wrestling, honestly, at the level and the crazy shit that he has done throughout his career. Same thing with Brian Danielson. Ziggler is kind of has wrestled smarter <laughs> than a lot of the other people that get thrown in that age bracket um, yeah. that would potentially be bouncing around. Uh, not that Ziggler doesn't do like take crazy, like he's taking crazy bumps and stuff with TLCs and all that stuff. But those are few and far between from your normal Dolph Ziggler match. And that's not a shot against him. That's like, you don't always need that. <laughs> you know what I mean? To have, you don't always need that to have a good wrestling match. You can have no, a good wrestling match. <laughs> that's why I said his perception on matches reminds me more of Brett than Sean, because Brett just wanted to have a good match. He didn't want to get hurt. He wasn't going to hurt his opponent. He wasn't going to do anything fucking stupid. That's kind of Dolph Ziggler. Um, but it's Sean was the same way too, man. Like when it came to like protecting himself and other people, like Sean never yeah. really did anything like cr- crazy, crazy. Not until like later in his career where everyone and like, let's say 2000, like 2005 when everyone was doing dumb shit in WWE. When uh, he's doing moonsaults to the outside and shit. Yeah. Like that, that became like a, that became a later Sean thing, but like during the Sean Brett era in the nineties, yeah, they were both kind of take care of you, take care of who you're wrestling, whether you like them or not, or you yell at them in the, in the case of HBK with Vader. Um, <laughs> but they weren't Wrong. doing like, they weren't doing half the shit that these people are doing nowadays, like hundred miles an hour all the time. Um, yeah, it was refreshing to watch the Cesaro Kingston match. I'll say that as far as like AEW goes, because these people, they just like it's OK to slow it down <laughs> and like just have a match. You can you can just have a normal wrestling match and people will like it, Dane. <laughs> That's crazy. You probably don't feel the same way about the Phoenix match with uh, Moxley, but we'll get there. Trust me. Um. So, <laughs> Brandy Rhodes, do you think that Cody, between Teal getting mad about the PWI countdown and where Cody was on it and going on a little bit of a, you know, tirade uh, online, my sister would do the same shit, honestly. See, and, and watching her on that Cody Rhodes Brandy show that they had when he was in AEW, Teal reminds me a lot of my sister. She's a very strong woman, aggressive. But uh, Brandy also was not happy and uh, let it be known about The Rock's comments about, you know, how the original plan, quote unquote, was for him last year against uh, Roman Reigns. They planned it out in 2002, uh, told Pat McAfee, but they just could not figure out a way for the ending to make sense and make both guys look good uh, afterwards. And so now that has brought a lot of rumbling. And I've heard a lot of uh, both wrestlers, personalities, Dave LaGreca on, on Busted Open was one of them, just thinking that maybe the way that he worded it wasn't the best way. And I am one of those people. I think that you can have your cake and eat it. I think that if Rock wants to be a part of WrestleMania, there's two nights. You could go Tribal Chief, you know, or 
the winner, you know, Cody wins the Royal Rumble, but it's gotten personal with The Rock and Roman, so they settle their shit, and the winner, who is going to be Roman Reigns, goes against Cody the second night. Or the who is the tribal chief is the the first thing, and the fucking title's on the line the second time. Or my idea, two out of three falls, Rock, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, WrestleMania fucking 40, let's... Let's let let's do this. Let's find <laughs> out who the top guy is. You don't think The Rock and Stone Cold could still have chemistry together? Steve Austin took how many years off and looked great against Kevin Owens? I'm sure The Rock and him would have a really safe match. Everyone would love it. They don't even have to do anything. They could play the fucking kazoo in the ring, and that would be fine <laughs> enough. All I'm saying, I'm just throwing that out there. I know it's not going to happen, but they tried to get Austin last year to go against Roman as well, so... I want Cody to finish the story, though. I will agree with Brandy on that. Um, do I think it was rude? No, I. Uh, I think people get a little bit. I don't know. Do you that? Do you think that was rude of him to say that that was the original plan? Like, do you think that overshadowed Cody's story going to Mania against The Rock or against Roman? No, because when he's talking about the original plan, it would have been before Cody even fucking came in, or he was still feuding with Seth. The original plan for Mania starts at the very next the very next day. <laughs> so Vince wanting Rock versus Roman is not like I think that's taken out of context. You know what I mean? Like it's he's not like he wasn't like in September Vince called me and was like, "Hey, have a sit down with me and Roman. Let's set up this Mania match." Because the one thing the WWE does plan for each year is the big storyline for Mania. Like, they already have their two people, and, and that's why it was so easy to predict. Um, the thing that threw a wrench in it last year was Sami Zayn, because no one expected him to catch as much fire as he did. But even if they would have done Rock versus Roman, you could have, like you said, it was a two-night Mania. Like, Roman could have lost the title to Cody... And then the next, because The Rock showed up and fought off the bloodline, and the very next night, you could have done Rock versus Roman, which I'm sure is what they're going to do this year at Mania. I don't know why she, she baffles me because she's married to a wrestler and was a professional wrestler. <laughs> to get offended that they passed, that The Rock and Vince had a, a passing idea of last year's Mania of, the Rock versus Roman, which everyone has been talking about for the past two years anyways, offended her so badly. Like, I, I don't know. It's baffling. She should get she, she should go to the school of Rebby Hardy and only talk about shit that's important if she's going to be that ride or die. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of tend to agree with you. I'm sure she was basing it off of emotions, but I, I, I think we're still going to see Cody complete the story. I'm not really worried about that. Um, what about uh, Teal, uh, Cody's sister, getting mad about uh, PWI in their top 500 because her brother was at 10? How is that even bad? Does she not uh, – like, here's the thing about PWI. First of all, it's fucking bullshit. Second of all, the, the way that they do it by wins, by this, if you got title shots, and the fact that it's the previous fucking year, the time period, half of that time period, Cody was not – there he wasn't you know he he was hurt so that also influenced it and he still made 10 but just if you're if you're wondering i know that you know this 10 cody rhodes nine josh alexander eight orange cassidy 
Seven, Kazuchika Okada. Six, MJF. I do have issue with that because, as MJF jokingly said, who the fuck is Vikingo because he beat me? (laughs) (laughs) Five is Vikingo. Four, Gunther. And then, obviously, for their cover, they have the Shield members, Moxley, then Reigns, then Rollins. Well, I mean, I wouldn't put Rollins number one. I think they're high as fuck on that, but... um... Me too. Uh, but yeah, Roman's still number one, dude. He's the biggest draw on the biggest show and has held the belt for three years. He's still number one. <laughs> That'd be like in I the get- 80s if you if you were like, I don't know, that Sergeant Slaughter is pretty good. You put him above Hulk Hogan. <laughs> like, Amasa Slamovich was 15. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Like, I, it, I mean, it's just it's an arbitrary ranking. They don't even have Naito in the top 500. They just fucking forgot he existed. So there you go. What? what? Search Naito on that list. He's not listed. Oh, my God. He, yeah, they said he was absent right at the end. It's like, yeah, to see him. Not on this list. Wow. That's <laughs> Jesus Christ. So if anyone's going to be offended, it should be Naito, the winner of the G1. <laughs> I I was mad when I saw Odinson wasn't in here at all. I said, Naito, are you serious? <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. That's, that's, a what that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Is that list, it, it's important if you're like an indie wrestler. To be on that list is important to help you get other bookings because it, it is like a talent thing, right? To to some extent, but like it it is just a bunch of nerds making a list at the end of the day. <laughs> you should, no one should care about it, and they fucked it up by putting Rollins over Reigns. I mean, they're fucking insane, but okay. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I mean, honestly, for their company, they should have put MJF as number one because the dude's been carrying. Uh, AEW pretty hard on this back. I can't believe you six. That's whatever. Six is six is insulting. It, like if, if I was re-ranking the top ten, he would at least be two. Which and I, could I find... could make a I could make a hard argument for him being one based on the company. But if you're going off biggest draw, uh, which even then, I mean, he was one of the big draws for Wembley, so you could make that argument as well. But, you know, whatever. It's, it's Like I said, it's PWI. It gives a shit. They don't even print it anymore. Or if they do, it's only for these fucking lists. <laughs> oh, man, I was trying to find uh, the stuff that MJF said, because it was fucking funny. I popped. But he was basically... PWI should issue a fucking apology to Naito, though. Like, no shit, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They should issue a fucking formal apology letter. <laughs> uh, All right. Um, insane. Let's do some highlights from the big shows. Um, Raw. I had a, pr- a couple of good matches. I know that everything's z- zeroing in on... Jey Uso joining the NWO. I mean, uh, the the whatever. What what are the names? What's the NWO now with the purple? Oh fucking! I don't know. The the, the they spray paint L's on people. Was no no. Um, <laughs> Damian oh, Priest. 
Finn Balor. Rhea oh, oh, undisputed. Wait, no. That's not it. Great balls of fire. Fast lane. Unforgiven. Oh, Judgment okay. Day. There you go. I'm just, yeah, every time right, we do this, <laughs> yeah, I just have to name random pay-per-views until we get there. <laughs> so Jay basically pulled a uh, DDP. He wouldn't join him. And because of that, they beat him up. But I I, I want to mention a couple matches that I thought were really good on it. Uh, two big guys that, I hate to say this, I think one needs to branch off from his tag team. But Kofi had an excellent match with Ivar. I've always said Ivar, since he was in the original uh, War uh, War Machine, that he was just incredible because of his size, you know, the, the stuff he's able to do. And him and Kofi had, like, not a cruiserweight match, but I just can't believe this big guy can keep up with him. Kofi would end up winning it. Uh, Shinsuke had an awesome match with Ricochet. Uh, I always like to see them go against each other, but Nakamura got disqualified. For being very heelish, and then try to get Seth to come. I, I, I'm glad they're doing this more with him and Seth. I'm just wondering where it's going. And then I also really like the uh, Chad Gable Bronson Reed match. Um, Chad's fucking right now. Chad is doing his best work for the last year. I think he's built himself up to a damn good wrestler, and he ended up losing the Bronson Reed, which I thought was interesting. But Bronson Reed needs a fucking win. He's awesome. He's a modern. He's like Samoa Joe and Bam Bam Bigelow had a baby. So, yeah, I don't know that I would have had Chad Gable lose there. That makes me worried that back down. Worried, worried that he's getting gonna start just taking L's again. Unfortunately, um, yeah, but Chad Gable's had one hell of a year, man. One hell of a year, and I thought that was that could have been a Vince decision because Vince is back. Um changing things on the fly because i don't think there's any way that with how they have been pushing and booking chad gable that he should have lost to bronson reed i agree bronson reed needed to win i just don't necessarily think it needed to be over chad gable at the moment um i love i love what they're doing with shinsuke i think that's still really fun he's very evil (laughs) he is very evil he tried to Break the man's back again afterwards, freaking going after Rollins. Uh, what was the they? There was something else you mentioned. I'm trying to. Kofi and Ivar, and that match wasn't even supposed to happen on the show. That got put together, and they fucking went out there and killed it. They're like, "Hey, we need a good match, Kofi. You ready?" He's like, "All right, bet." <laughs> but no, and, and, and I put over Kofi like that. But I've, I've always been saying this. You think Ivar, based on that performance? Should maybe drop the the Viking thing and do his own thing. Uh, I mean, they should just be War Machine and go back to Japan. Honestly, I mean, yeah, just, yeah, I know that. You know, but that's... they were on our top five tag team list. I think the first year we did our top <laughs> top fives. So the Viking experience. Do you remember how sad we were? <laughs> Are you experienced? <laughs> As much as we both love Jimi Hendrix and the experience, we were not excited about the Viking experience. Uh, no. No, Ivar, Ivar is the better tag member, but they're great as a tag team. And if they went anywhere else that did tag team wrestling the way it should be done, they would be like a huge fucking deal, as they were previously to them getting to WWE. 
All right, let's go to Dynamite. We got two big matches on this. Two I'm really looking forward to uh, talking about, and one not so much, but uh, let's get into it. Uh, Claudio Casanoli, Eddie Kingston. Start off, they have a fucking a banger, awesome match by both guys, and at the end of it, Eddie Kingston won! He got his first world title, and now he is the New Japan Strong Openweight Champion, and also the Ring of Honor world champion um i mean i i know that there's been a real life heat between these two guys obviously they they worked through it um and they they had a good storyline because of it i mean it was real it just came off like that but uh just a really awesome i love kingston selling i just love like autopilot mode chris like when he's gotten when he's selling that he's gotten rocked enough but then he just comes back and like, ah! and just you know chops them or makes these bird noises. But just good shit, man. The shaking of the hands, especially since they they were sworn enemies, was a cool moment. I think to end it too. Yeah. Also, I hope it was like a learning moment for people in the back as far as like feuds go, because these two people definitely didn't like each other, and they just went out there, fucking did their jobs, and had a good match. Well, and. and- <laughs> You know, there's another one that I thought was real based on the word back and forth, but uh, Rampage had uh, Mike Santana have a match, and then Ortiz came to the ramp, and they had like a stare down, a little bit of back and forth, but obviously they're doing a storyline, so I actually think those guys were drumming up a storyline on Twitter and just working all of us, so that's the case not too long ago, so if Claudio and fucking... Eddie can do it. If Santana and Ortiz can get along after having problems, get over your fucking shit. And I talked about that on the, the last show where that storyline got brought up with them on Twitter. I was like, bro, if like if someone if you really have that big of a problem with someone, when you just send them a text, <laughs> not tag yeah. them in a Twitter post, like especially as close as those guys have been over the years. So that one, while it was surprising, it was not. That's surprising, but it's smart on them, you know. Might as well use Twitter your advantage. Um, I want to go back real quick. Did you notice the uh, the references to J- Japanese wrestling in the Claudio and uh, Eddie Kingston match? No, no, no. Um, refresh my memory. As Kawada Mas- Masawa, I believe they even had like the colors and stuff, and then uh, Kingston's finisher was um, gifted to him. From before that uh, New Japan pay-per-view, which was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. It was neat. That's more of like a deep inside mark thing, I guess. But it was it was kind of a neat little sprinkle on top of getting like Kingston getting the win. Kingston's technically world champion in two companies right now because the the New Japan uh, strong title, as far as New Japan. America goes. That is the that is kind of the top title. So is that that's crazy kind of, to them? Kind of like what the NXT title is to WWE and what the Ring of Honor World Champion kind of is to AEW. Yeah, yeah, basically because like I mean, you, brand. yeah, yeah, especially in America because like like that's the title that uh, Filthy Tom had for quite a while. Ooh, um, Filthy Tom needs you, to come back and fight Kingston for that. Well, he was supposed to have a match with Cole, and it got canceled, and then Cole got injured, so I don't know if we're ever going to... God damn it, man. I can't believe that fucking happened. Hey, by the way, can we just say one thing? 
it might look really cool at the at the Arch Stadium, but since ramps have fucked up people's careers in the past, since we had that ramp where obviously Ray Phoenix nails John Moxley right at the beginning of their match, probably because of too much velocity or whatever. But most importantly, Adam Cole just twists the fuck out of his ankle and who knows what else happened from jumping off that fucking ramp. Didn't Rick Rude have to retire because of one of those things, Chris? He landed on a ramp kind of awkward like Shawn Michaels did on that table spot with Undertaker, which kind of ended Shawn Michaels' career for a long time. Uh, Rick Rude had a Lloyds of London contract, so even after his back was healed, he wasn't able to wrestle because he cashed in the insurance policy on that. But yeah, those ramps, like if you hit the corner of that, there's nothing – I mean I guess it would be the same thing as like – that's why I don't understand why people take bumps on stairs – like when they do the still stairs step, because there are two big examples of great wrestlers whose careers were severely shortened by just like landing on their spine on an angle. Weird. Rick Rude is one in Japan because they used to do the the ramp down. Um, he's probably the more famous example of that. But Sean would be another one, which his was just kind of like a freak accident. But it was the same thing where he hit his back on a corner. And like was gone. Like he finished that. uh, He finished the feud up with uh, Austin at Mania and then was gone for like a long, long period of time. Um, So, yeah, I I, I don't know. It it looks cool, but at at risk of you losing a top superstar for it, it's not that cool. Fans would much rather not see that ramp and see their favorite wrestlers at the next show. No shit. <sighs> All right, well, next match, speaking about Shawn Michaels, uh, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, definitely thrown out. And I think this might have been the, one of the first times they mentioned Shawn on commentary, but the relationship uh, comparing basically Jericho and Shawn at WrestleMania 13, uh, younger Jericho obsessed with Shawn Michaels. And from there, it would, Shawn... it, it would, it would have been 19. Oh, is it 19? Okay. That's yeah, right. 13 I'm, I'm is 13 Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Ugh. Well, thir- 13 is Austin, Austin Bret. We watched That's right. it. You good That's listeners right. out Whoa. there, go watch our, go listen to our watch along of <laughs> Bret versus Austin. Yeah, my mind's kind of still mush. Too many McUltras last night. Um, But Jericho, they even had the ending, the exact ending uh, pulled from it. And I thought they had a great match. I love the swerve, you know, them hugging. And like I said, doing that ending where all of a sudden Sammy fucking just nails him in the balls. And then Chris Jericho slowly falls to his knees and is, you know, up like on Sammy's chest and looking up at him like, why? And then just fucking tossing his ass on the ground, joining Don Callis. I think it's a good move for Sammy. And like I said, Don Callis is making one hell of a family for himself. And uh, I, I really liked this match. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a good match. It got a little bit of heat online for a couple of, Jer- like, Jericho slipped, uh, headed into the ropes and a few things. And anything Jericho does wrong, people have amplified times 9,000 now. But outside of that, it was a good match. Uh, the only thing I would say is like, the heel turn was not as effective as it could have been because you already had teased the Don Callis stuff. With Sammy Guevara. Yeah, that's a whereas, good point. Whereas if it came out of nowhere, it would have maybe landed a little better. Um, 
I, I am excited about the storyline, though, with Jericho and Omega uh, having to team up as hated. <laughs> the hatred between those two is, is great. Like, that's fun. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. I like Don Callis. He's got a super team going. Don Callis is uh, the most hated man in wrestling right now. He's taken the, uh, pos- taken the position of MJF since MJF is a babyface. <laughs> I mean, Dom Dom, they should, if, if, so if, would they be able to speak if he managed Dominic Mysterio? Who's that guy that does Amer- American top team or whatever? They could get him back, the manager of the UFC <laughs> group. Just put those Big three in a faction. Oh my <laughs> God. Dan Lambert? <laughs> yeah. Dan Lambert. Don Callis. <laughs> Um, I also, I like, I like the, uh, light up jacket that Sammy's, uh, had. I thought that was kind of cool. That was uh, a cool call. This is a cool call out to Jericho. I, I appreciated that as well. Do you think the um, ending, them literally doing beat by beat the exact same ending to Sean and Jericho, do you think that was a little bit too obvious? I think it was kind of fucking lame, honestly, cause I'm just getting tired of like, Here Hey, is. you remember that one match? <laughs> Yeah, I kind of with it, you on that. It's exactly why I didn't knock Ziggler as hard early. That's exactly what I was talking about because AEW does this a lot now, where they're like, "Hey, do you remember that one moment from that one match you liked?" <laughs> they're doing the fucking Star Wars thing. Remember? I remember. Hey, remember uh, So, so fucking Ziggler doing stuff in the ring like a wrestler that he loves is less offensive <laughs> than some of this like you get it told the same story in this in a similar way without like it being the exact same thing like what's going to be the next thing like Guevara is going to retire Jericho with a sweet chin music and Jericho is going to he's going to be like I love you I'm sorry like come on guys you know they're going to do that now eventually <laughs> Jericho's already thought it all out. Oh the Lord. Um I hope I hope they days. go I hope they go to do that moment and Samoa Joe just like chokes out Gobert. <laughs> they, we, they, don't, they don't give you the finish. <laughs> oh my god. If you do if so, you do something like that, that's interesting. They're like they set up the same spot and then like something crazy happens to interfere with that spot where it's like a, a new take on it. I was like, man, like, you know, if I wanted to watch an HD remake, like, actually, if I wanted to watch Jericho versus HBK, I'd watch Jericho versus HBK because it was a better match. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, I thought their ending was good, though. The, the the timing was good, but you're right. I mean, everyone's going to yell at Jericho for missing this here or there. It's like, dude, he's getting fucking older and he's trying to keep up with the younger guys. And a lot of times he does a damn good job. So let's get off his ball so much. Um, I, I mean, it's, I mean, that's on, that's on the people he's wrestling though, because like he went out, like he, my favorite Jericho match he's had in AEW was the match he had with Eddie Kingston. And all he did was slow shit down and brawl. And it was great. Like it was a great match. It had a good story build up. They had a fucking phenomenal match. And it's like, you know, it shouldn't be up to Jericho to have to do all the shit these other people are doing. <laughs> well, they should I be able partially- to adjust. <laughs> Jericho kind of wants to be that Lionheart character, you know, sometimes too, though. So, like, I, but I still, him and Will Ospreay probably had the set my second favorite match. And that guy fucking, you know, wrestles 90 million miles an hour around Jericho, even back in when that, he was young. 
that's more of what I'm getting at, though. Like, the really good wrestlers can have a good match with Jericho. Yeah, yeah. no, you're right. Um, two comedy spots. Christian Cage <laughs> challenging Darby Allen for a three-way match for his, I mean, our uh, TNT championship, because it actually is Luchasaurus, remember? Uh, so uh, he wanted to do that for Rampage. Um, and he can't use Sting, and at the end of it, he called it a handicap match and then corrected himself again. Is Christian Cage not one of the most entertaining heels? Dude, he's so great. (laughs) Uh, My wife is a casual wrestling fan and hasn't watched AEW in a while, and when he took off his, like, jacket to expose the turtleneck, (laughs) no sleeve. She's like, what a fucking douche. <laughs> yep. I was like, yeah. She's like, I love Christian, but geez. <laughs> I was like, yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> He's great, dude. He's so good. Um, who's the better hill, him or Don Callis right now? They're Don's on the, the fuck you heel. <laughs> Christian gets that, but he's so much more entertaining about it, I guess. Um. Yeah, very entertaining segment. Uh, Christians, they set that match up. He's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to be part of this three-way with my loot. Yeah, basically setting up that handicap match. It's like, you know Christian is going to roll up Luchasaurus. (laughs) So you can officially win it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is great. I love it. (laughs) Everything Christian's doing. And also, I love this version of Luchasaurus. Like Like I talked about on last week's show. Uh, being more slow, methodical, wrestling more like Glenn Jacobs, like Kane, um, as me and you have said multiple times in the past when we were trying to put Luchasaurus over. Do you think, like, Big uh, Show just grabbed him and was like, all right, I'm going to fucking help you out with this shit, but you got to listen to me? I, I, think it, I think it has more to do with Christian, because Christian's in all of his matches now, and Christian's like, don't do that shit. That's stupid. You're huge, oh, dude. Do huge no. guy stuff. <laughs> Yeah, what the hell are you doing jumping off the fucking second rope to the outside and doing a fucking flippy? Um, and like, almost why? In every single time. You're, you're the size of a house, bro. You don't need to do that. <laughs> you don't see Brock Lesnar jumping off ropes anymore. <laughs> My guy. Um, all right. Um, what about what about someone who's I think doing some of his best character work? And I I, I understand the complaint that. Some of the stuff with Adam Cole, MJF, Roderick Strong, it gets a little silly since it's actually real-life shit. Like, they've been friends, and Roderick thinks that Adam Cole's betraying him. But I'm sorry. When you have Roderick with this fucking neck brace, and you got Matt Taven and fucking um, Mike Bennett having their fingers together and just, like, you know, shaking their head no at Adam Cole, who's at the bedside, and you have him go, Adam! And Adam Cole's like, (laughs) what? I'm right here. Like, I'm right next to you. And he's for some reason so destroyed in the training or the training room backstage. You know, later on, Adam Cole would leave him to go help out. But that whole entire thing, like Roderick Strong, has figured out something that he's been missing for a while. Like he's an incredible wrestler, awesome fucking wrestler inside the ring. But now he's understanding, I think, the entertainment side more so than ever. No, I absolutely love it. I think it's great. It's been really fun 
and um you know like mjf is still doing serious champion stuff so i don't have a problem with it it, it kind of harkens back to like when austin or the rock ended up in a tag team you know it's kind of like that it kind of has that feel to it as far as like the main event picture with cole and mjf plus it's going somewhere I still think it's going to like the complete heel turn on MJF. So I'm fine with it. And also Roddy is doing it. It's so great. The neck strong shirts. It's incredible. Um, when they go to do the promo and like Cole's there with MJF and MJF's cutting a promo <laughs> and he's like Adam Cole or, or uh, Roddy calls like Adam Cole on the phone. He answers it. He's like, I'm dying. He's like, I got to go check on Roddy. I'll be back. <laughs> it's pretty it's i mean it's very much like a high school like like kind of thing but it, it's kind of where it works it works because everyone in it is really great um we saw a little bit of this with roddy towards the end of his nxt run when he was champ and stuff as far as him being able to uh to be entertaining uh, so it's great to see them take the reins off. And him with the fucking neck brace and glasses is just fucking hilarious. It's it's just good. I, I love it. I, I don't know how – because at the end of the day, you still are going to get, like, good Rod, Roderick Strong matches like we saw <laughs> against Samoa Joe. So it's you know, it's fine. You cut out there a little bit, buddy. Uh, no, I can't. I can't. Uh, you're Tin Kenny. Hear me now. Yeah, I can. I can hear you a little better. Anyways, so do you want to talk about the match? Yeah, let's go for it. AW International Championship. Ray Phoenix, John Moxley. Uh, apparently. From what I've gathered, the first thing that actually threw Mox for a loop in this match was right at the beginning with that suicide dive off the platform. Um, if you go back and watch it, the way he reacts, it looks like he just got basically Phoenix's ass right at his head. Um, and this is this was not a good match for Moxley, and not the sense of he didn't do a good job. It's just my fucking god. I just want to say, I'm, and I'm not apologizing for everyone. Because he's only known for fucking P- or PWG, and he's only here because he's fucking friends with the Young Bucks. Rick Knox is the worst fucking referee. He is the anti-Tommy uh, Tommy Young, okay? He is terrible. And the decision that he made at the end, I don't know what the fuck. So Ray Phoenix, he has like, it's kind of like the Rikishi driver. And obviously, you know, Ray's kind of is is at fault, obviously, as well for the move itself. But somehow him doing it the second time was worse than the first fucking time to Moxley. Thank God Moxley is apparently not uh, that hurt or injured from this. Apparently, I, I think they said he didn't even get a concussion from it. But just a scary set of shit. But, you know, I, I love Ray Phoenix. I think he's an amazing high flyer. He's compared a lot to Ray, and I think that's because of their names and the fact that they're both luchadors. Because I, I feel like Ray, we're kind of talking about this with Dolph, Shimon, Brett. He's very, Ray Mysterio is very safe with his opponents and stuff like that. Phoenix, I've seen do some fucking crazy shits. 
Um, but this was more about just bad timing. You know, I, I don't know. Like I said, it was a Rikishi driver. You're not supposed to have the person fall over, I guess, enough where they're going to get driven into the fucking mat like a, you know, a sit-down pile driver, but like Tombstone style. So what, honestly, uh, caused Steve Austin a good chunk of his career and made him have to change styles completely, like when he got the uh, Tombstone sit-down uh, pile driver from Lulin. Um, and so it, you can definitely see, especially if you go back, throughout their match, a little sloppy, like I said, I think that from what everyone has indicated, John was already knocked for a loop from that first hit uh, off the ramp from Phoenix. Uh, when we get to the spot, he puts him in it. He goes down and just basically, I mean, Phoenix is smaller. John's obviously bigger. He slides down, nails his head right into the fucking ground. And he was supposed to win that match. He just won the international championship. So he goes to cover him. Supposed to kick out, and Rick knocks one, two, and then stops. The fuck? And you hear Moxley. Someone told me what he said. If you go back, you can hear him say it. He says to to Rick Knox, "Fuck you. We're going home." And for some reason, going home that turned into, and I I don't even know if Moxley was all there at this time for Phoenix to do the Rikishi driver thing again. And he fucking nailed his head into the goddamn mat even harder. Jesus Christ. Um, and he won the international championship. Hey, great moment for, for Ray Phoenix. But thank God Moxley didn't, didn't have a severe concussion from that. That looked bad. And Rick Knox should not be fucking working for that company. He shouldn't be working for fucking Ohio Valley, Valley Wrestling. Fucking so this is not just a problem in AEW, it's across multiple companies. But if you know that you're gonna have superstars with limited language um to have these kind of matches, wouldn't it make sense to have a bilingual referee? Well, from everything I've heard, Ray Phoenix speaks perfect English. He speaks better English than uh Penta. Okay, well, he misunderstood what Moxley was saying when it was it was supposed to be like just hit the splash and let's go home. But also Knox like fucked up three times, so maybe it was on the ref. Um but there was comments and take this for what it is, because it came through multiple media sources that Moxley said the pile drivers were fine. That wasn't the problem. He he just was uh he got Knocked out, basically went back, did the rest of the match, felt fine, and then got woozy towards the end and was like, "Oh, we need to." Uh, I'm in a bad situation. If Moxley says he's in a bad fucking situation, then <laughs> you know he's in a bad situation. <laughs> but like, have you like kind of what it was? Like, I don't. Have you ever had a concussion? I don't know if you played football or. I got my bell rung before falling on my head, but nothing. Oh. Well, it was off a skateboard, but but the same kind of thing. Like you know, like I, I I've been like knocked out before, and then like you wake up and you feel fine, everything's okay, and then you take like four or five steps, and it feels like you stood up too fast. That's yeah. kind of the description of what was happening with Moxley at the end of that match. But it's really hard to tell with Moxley because he does the Terry Funk stagger whenever he sells, anyways. 
you know? Uh, so I can't blame it. I mean, like, he said he was good to go. He went in there, and that was at the very beginning of the match and wrestled the entire match with a fucking concussion, uh, channeling his inner Naito, I guess. Uh, and who didn't, who didn't make the top 500 from PW? He did not make the top 500 of PWG, even though he definitely had one of the top five matches of this year so far. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, Moxley said the pile drivers were safe. That's just how he takes them. So I don't, I don't know. That's at least the rumors that were going around backstage and that the go home, like, fucking phoenix is in a weird spot because he's like okay well let me lift his dead body up and do this again because this ref clearly didn't understand like what go home meant so that's why that went the way it did either way like and this has happened in AEW multiple times like in and i'll give wwe props to this if they see someone get their fucking bell rung they're just out they're done for the match we, we haven't heard about this in WWE in a long time. They have taken that. It, and, and part of that is they did have the concussion lawsuit against them. But like we've seen that happen. Carrie um, Zane, for instance, it's happened to twice. And she's just done for the rest of the match. They're just like, just lay down. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Act like that move killed you. Uh, whereas in AEW, I don't know, we saw this with Matt Hardy and there's been a couple of times of this and it makes you like really frightened for someone like a a Brian Danielson whose will is there, but has also had multiple concussions, especially with what we know about concussion syndrome. And I'm sure Moxley has had many fucking concussions coming from CZW land. Um, it's scary when you, when you, when you think about like, someone getting a concussion, getting up and then continuing to have a wrestling match. Um, because you know, they, you can remember what you're supposed to do, but you're not there. Like that's scary. It was still a good match. Uh, obviously Moxley was enough there to tell Knox to go fuck himself. At the end of the match. So. All right. So that's, that's, that's a question. Is there any type of justification besides him being close with the young bucks? Of why the fuck he still works there. I, I don't he's know, terrible. man. He's even terrible on a sense of, all right, people will be doing shit. They'll be cheating directly in front of them. All he has to do as a referee is turn around or not have them in his visibility. And he'll be staring the fuck at it the whole entire time. So I just don't understand. Like, refs, the first thing they learn, treat it like a shoot. One, two, three. It's on the fucking wrestler. It's not on you, you know? Who Who is the ref in those Guevara matches? Was that him as well? Uh, probably. Let's just, let's just assume it is. I've just okay. seen him do some stupid shit, and this was the first time where it was actually dangerous. Like, yeah, because I was going to say, if, off- if, if, it, if it was also him during those matches, like, to, <laughs> ride or die, Bay Rebbe said that they should be fired. So <laughs> Let me look this up, I- actually. <laughs> I got. I got to see this. I'm gonna look up just Sammy Callahan or Sammy Callahan, Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy. See if I can find who the referee is. Watch it be like Bryce Gim, uh, Ginsburg, who's actually a pretty damn good ref. And like and I know, I, I know that a lot of people are like, well, it should also be on the performer. But it's like, yeah, but you're you're fucking just got your shit knocked, Loopy, <laughs> and you just woke up in front of. 
you know, 30,000 people that is not on the performer. That's on the people around them. You know, it's at some point. It's It should have been on Ray Phoenix of being like, this guy is not all there. <laughs> you know, like... Uh. As much as it is on Knox, especially with the, like, we need to go home and him holding up the count. That was the worst part where he held up the count. Like, just, I, like, what are you going to do? Get fired, my guy? Apparently, you're in, you can't be fired. So, that was the perfect time for CM Punk to be backstage. <laughs> <laughs> he just, like, starts strangling him, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? They're not making a good case for CM Punk not being backstage with stuff like that, honestly. You're just like, are you trying to kill him? (laughs) He would have choked out Phoenix and choked out Knox, probably. (laughs) Um, I mean, that's just such a that's such a hard thing. I mean, concussions are a hard thing to judge. I was just curious if it was if he was the same one that was in the Matt Hardy thing, because. That was a similar situation, obviously not as big as Moxley, but it was a very similar situation that we talked about on the show previously. Yep. All right, we got two more matches. Uh, Next one was for the AEW Women's Championship, Tony Storm and Soraya. Tony Storm's getting pretty entertaining to me with this fucking character for being a crazy Marilyn Monroe, which is kind of fucked up because it seems like Marilyn Monroe at some part was like that, just very manic and crazy because of what happened in her life. But at the same time, throwing shoes and shit like that might be entertaining. My favorite spot was after they're beating the crap out of each other, uh, she just fucking lip-locked Soraya, and Soraya was like, what the fuck was that? And then gave her, you know, her uh, finisher, um, you know, throwing her off, I guess. But, uh, yeah, we would get the modified DDT um, from Soraya, and she got the win. So I guess now the champ's moving on to someone else, but interesting concept. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I, I, I. Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna say. The only thing, seeing the Storm Zero, it's gonna terrify me with Soraya from now on. Whenever she takes a spot like that, uh, <laughs> just because. Her neck is fucking bad, so it's like it's gonna be like Brian Danielson. It's gonna be like Edge. It just it made me go, ugh. Even though I'm sure it was fine, but it's not fine though because she crushes people with it. We've had this conversation because the Usos do the same move. You're supposed to hit the side of the ropes. You're not actually supposed to. Well, no, no, no. Actually, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about her with the Storm Zero. To let you know, since you brought it up. I had a compilation which had back in the day going all the way to now and showed Mike O'Rourke. Uh, I don't want to say his real name because of obvious reasons. Um, he said it's completely safe. He said it's a little bit snug, but you have to understand the way that women in the corner are different than guys. They have to position themselves. So as long as they're able to move their head down along with it, it's not. He, he said none of them look like it, it hurt the person. Oh, I don't know. I would debate that. That'll be a fun conversation for me and Mike next time because I would de- I would debate that. Um, well, since you know you talked constantly about how Tony's terrible because of that, even though she does it to people she's friends with that let her do it, and now a wrestler, in my eyes as well, I think that you uh, just need to you know eat some crow a little bit and just. Uh, uh, kind of do it. Yeah, I'm gonna say it's it's very stiff skis. 
at the very least, because if they're supposed to be moving their head down, they're not getting their head down in time, which then at that point, I would say it's on the person taking the move. If that, if that's how you're supposed to do that. But I I know that I've seen, I know that I've seen, I I know I've seen the Usos do that move a thousand times as well as Rikishi and they always throw it to the side. So I think we would have heard something, something, uh, you know, if that was the case, but you know, what does Mike, you know, what do I know? Right. <laughs> I mean, no, nah, no, nah, it's not that. I mean, it's she did get a stiff ski receipt from somebody at the end of that match. <laughs> but or so, you, or so you put in your head that that's situation. But these ladies are best friends. I'm 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 done. I'm done debating you on it. I, I don't even like going over Tony Storm now, and I'm not even that big of a fan of hers. Uh, so okay, we'll move outside of Tony Storm's move set, and I'll talk about the character. So it's interesting but i don't know where it's going me neither because because like like where like she lost to soraya so like that's it or is she just going to continue to do the character they're going to do like gold dust backstage vignettes forever like her doing these weird interview segment things and like what is that beat up renee just like just go crazy and hit her with a heel a bunch of times uh, that I what, then was she got to fight Moxley after that though? <laughs> like who's in Renee's corner? I guess would be the concussed Moxley. Uh, <laughs> concussed Moxley versus Tony Storm. That's... Well, she what she could do is she could do her ass uh, hip attack in the corner and then knock him loopy mm-hmm. to be. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, that'd be great. No, but. Uh, so, so, like, all joking aside, where is the character? Like, where? Well, one, where is the group going? And two, Tony Storm's character is definitely this is supposed to be the drugged out version of Marilyn Monroe, which is kind of fucked up in itself. But I get it because <laughs> she's kind. She's supposed to be a heel. I'm guessing because Soraya turned babyface at Wembley, winning the title. Dude, I don't know because she was acting like a heel to the audience in New York. So it was like that because it was England or. I don't even fucking know, man. That's I'm more excited about the TN the TBS championship and what's going around with that than I am with the actual world champion. To be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, you would think they would have a big thing for Soraya to do that's not this crazy Tony Storm thing after that huge title win, though. Yeah. And and that's uh, nothing like her performance of what like whatever character like character she has came up with she's nailing it like whether it's right or not is <laughs> a different story for as far as the storyline goes like Tony Storm's doing a good job at doing exactly what I thought she was doing when she came out with the evening gown thing <laughs> to interfere in that match I was like is she doing a drugs a drug Marilyn Monroe that's kind of fucked <laughs> but yeah uh, we've seen we've seen way worse in wrestling <laughs> yeah that's that's a good point too um all right i want to talk about this match man world championship mjf samoa joe this match was really fucking good i mean weird you got mjf who's an up-and-coming prodigy and one of the best wrestlers of his generation samoa joe but um the only thing that sucks man is adam cold you know, running full speed down the ramp, jumping off that giant ramp area and doing something to his ankle. Um, have you heard word exactly is like what 
happened? Did he just roll his ankle? or Because he's supposed to be having a match, a big match, uh, this next Dynamite, right? Is it is it Dynamite or is it Russell Dream? I can't remember, but uh, the last word I heard is that he was taken to the hospital and he did leave in, like, on crutches in an air cast. Oh, Jesus So Christ. it could just be, like, a high ankle sprain, like... I don't know. They, we have, I have not heard any other information other than that um, through various outlets. And, and there's always discrepancies of like, he was on crutches. He was in an air cast. There's, but he went to the hospital and he tweaked his fucking ankle. So um, the good news is you have MJF who is kind of on a roll right now. You could just have him win the match by himself, or you could sub in Samoa Joe as a partner. And help him win the match and continue that storyline and the weird respect. So they have built in things. And if like uh, Adam Cole is hurt legitimately, him and you can continue the him and Roddy storyline of, see, I told you this man was a danger to your health. <laughs> they could be in the hospital together, you know? Yep. Uh, I don't, I, I mean, like, the tag team titles are an afterthought right now because they're they're booking it around the heavyweight title picture. So, you know, if, if MJF just straight loses against two people for the tag titles, that's not that bad of a thing either. Because we, we all know it's setting up eventually for this group to turn on MJF, right? So it's... Like like I said, this is very much like the Austin and any partner or the Rock and any partner. Mankind, I guess. Uh, kind of storyline. It is. Uh, it's interesting. Um, hopefully he's yeah, good though, good. man. Like, hopefully he's good though, because this man has had like very shit luck of uh, like the past two years, as far as injuries and health and COVID, and it sucks because I like he was finally getting back into the groove and having good matches and like cutting good promos and stuff, and now he, if he's out again for another six weeks, that just sucks. Um, for Adam Cole and Adam Cole fans. It really does. Um, yeah, but the match itself, man, uh, how did you like the ending? Because MJF took that chain, still acted a bit heelish, and choked out fucking Joe. I I I liked the ending because, like, he's our scumbag. That's the whole character, right? Yeah. He's Eddie Guerrero kind of doing the... I'm going to, I'm your scumbag. I'm your, I'm, I'm, I'm your thief. Right. And he stole the victory. And I also like that Joe respected it. So the handshake at the end, I actually liked a lot between him and Joe. So that was, it's a fun moment. Joe's not going to call him kid anymore, but next time he fights Joe, Joe's not going to oh. be as, as nice, which is a good story. Like, because Joe didn't cheat during that match, but now you've opened up the the realm of possibility of Samoa Joe actually killing a man, uh, which is fun. I mean, he tried to fuck, he tried to kill him when he pile dropped him on the exposed floor. Jesus <laughs> Christ, he gave him a muscle buster and fucking MJF kicked out. Yeah, well, that, that's within the realm of the rules, though. He's just got to get in before the 10 count, Dane. That's not cheating. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I'm kidding. Uh, it was a good match. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the absolute fuck out of that match. I thought it was great. I love what they're doing with Joe and MJF. And uh, if they do, if, if Adam Cole is hurt, 
like I said, you could have Samoa Joe, like they had the handshake, the respect. You could do just one segment. Joe's going to sub as his partner. They get into the ring and Joe just chokes him out and they lose the titles. <laughs> and Joe rolls out of the ring and you can continue that down the line. Yeah. Uh, I almost <laughs> forgot, man. What about the opening? Making fun of the Bret Hart uh, uh, throwback with the kid and his dad and the kid going, <laughs> hey, dad, that's MJF, Max. And then he comes <laughs> over and like, you know, rubs, rubs his head and then whispers something in it. And walks back out the curtains. <laughs> and the kid goes to his dad. Dad, I was adopted? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. Yeah, it's a good take on the 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 mean Joan Green, uh, Bret Hart. Yeah, it was it was phenomenal. That was really fun. MJF's <laughs> on fire, man. He really is. Uh, all right. Three things that to talk about gonna, with SmackDown. That, that, man is, that man is going to get so fucking paid. Yeah, in the next year or so. <laughs> God, he's gonna he's he's already got a lot of money. He's gonna have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Um. All right, so three things I want to talk about from SmackDown. Um, Rey Mysterio, Santos Escobar go against the Street Profits. Profits have been winning since they came back. They're basically in a new group of Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley is at ringside, and they fucking lost. And they got bitched out by Bobby afterwards, so I'm kind of confused on that. Yeah, well, well, they lost. They disappointed Bobby Lashley. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It was so weird. Should, it would be really funny if they were like, "Where's your wife?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, that's it. I'm done with you guys. Montez, give me, uh, give me Bianca's phone number i'm gonna call her if she wants to join <laughs> i got i got this jane uh car grill too i'm gonna call her yeah. no i mean that's an interesting group um i'm glad the street profits are back and healthy and and having tag matches the tag division right now is not great in wwe so it's good to see that they're trying to move move it forward i guess with the usos being broken up and kevin and sammy i guess being broken up like who who's next up so it's wide open maybe it could be a good run for the street profits and bobby lashley i i don't i mean is bobby still hurt is that why i don't know utilized in this role because he is not he had he was supposed to be booked for mania and was hurt right yeah and we have not seen him actually wrestle since then, that I recall. Oh, yeah, he was supposed to go against Bray Wyatt. Yeah, that was supposed to be the, the match. Um, and obviously Bray was also uh, not well at the time. But Bobby went and had surgery, and he's not wrestled. I don't remember him wrestling since then. Maybe he has, but is he just like, uh, is he like Xavier? You remember Xavier Woods tore his Achilles and it, like just didn't wrestle for a year, <laughs> but was yeah. still on camera? Are they doing that with with Bobby? And if so, this is a good role for Bobby Lashley. Uh, no, and I think that's a better idea than them not being there. If they're able to walk around and shit, might as well still utilize them so people don't forget them. You know? Yeah. No, I agree with you 100 percent on that. Um, yeah, I was just curious of the last time of like where. <laughs> 
once again, it's like, where is it leading to? Because there's no gr- other group for them to feud with other than the bloodline. It's going to lead to bloodline versus. Uh, and then once again, who's the baby faces in that fight? Street profits versus bloodline. I don't know, man. It's interesting. Um, Bobby versus Roman would be a pretty good match. Oh, yeah. No, it definitely would. I could see that working out pretty well. Um, All right, so let's also talk about there was a women's title match, man. And who knew that Asuka and Io Sky had such great chemistry? Because this honestly was probably, if not my top favorite match of this week, like within the top two or three. I thought the ladies fucking killed it. I love that Charlotte came down there. To kind of even the odds because damage control was out there. And the one time Bailey got involved, she got fucking speared on her ass from Charlotte. And uh, they just, they, they tore it up. And uh, you ended up winning with her amazing moonsault. But uh, just good shit all around, man. Two yeah, it was a good match. Of all time. It was a great, it was a great fucking match. Uh, I, maybe the... It could. The only complaint would be like they went to the Oscar lock like way too many times, I guess. Yeah. Towards the end, but outside of that, it was a good match. Um, there was some sloppy spots, and I think it was like Io was just selling, and and you could tell that like you could tell that uh, Oscar was getting upset. She was like, "Hey, <laughs> get up! We gotta do the next spot." Specifically, um in the corner towards the end of the match leading to the Charlotte spear. There's like one spot specifically, but outside of that, like that's nitpicking shit. It was a great match. It was a great match. Probably one of the best SmackDown matches I've seen in a while. And, and, and I think you, you know, outside of maybe Claudio and Eddie Kingston, probably the match of the week. Yeah, for me. Absolutely. And that's like high praise. Cause I thought both those matches were really, really good. Um, I did. I hated the finish though. And I kind of knew it was going to come like it was coming when Charlotte came down. I was like, ah, Oscar's somehow going to get fucked out of winning here. <sighs> but that's hey, just Oscar, another person. Does Oscar fucking wrestle like she's 41 years old or even, or look it for that matter. No, I, if you told me Oscar was 28, I would believe you. <laughs> Seriously, dude. <laughs> Incredible. She's fucking incredible. Her, She's got the best back fist. No offense, Eddie Kingston, in the business. And I love that she does it twice in a row as like a combo thing. Pretty fucking badass. She did catch EO in the eye with it. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, because EO went to sell the first one and like she was already spinning for the second one. <laughs> uh, yeah, they had a great match, but, you know, they're it, it, the only the only thing that deters me from putting that as my number one match of the week was the finish. I mean, that's yeah. that's really it. But because the finish was like, as soon as I saw everyone show up at ringside and then Charlotte walked down and whatever the fuck, what are those overalls with side openings like? <laughs> my immediate my wife was like, the fuck is she wearing? And my immediate message to you is, the fuck is she wearing? <laughs> You know, she's, like, she went to the same place Seth Rollins gets his outfits from. But I don't think she realizes that Seth's actually trying to be ironic. She so. went to the Kmart version of where Seth... <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> like, I mean, I'm not trying to hate on Charlotte. I love Charlotte Flair, but uh, someone in the back should have told her, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, as a friend, I don't know about that one. Um, but she was great there. I mean, she's, you know, she hit the big spear on Bailey. I don't know how she's able to run that fast in heels and hit a spear, but, you know, good on her. <laughs> she fucked the Charlotte Flair, man. But, uh, yeah, good match. And the last thing to talk about. Uh, the next pay-per-view, well, we were going to get AJ Styles and John Cena against uh, what you call Jimmy Uso and Sola Sokoa, which the decision Jimmy made, unbeknownst to Roman, so Paul was not too happy about him doing that, but uh, they, they took advantage of the situation. They took out AJ backstage and for some fucking reason didn't videotape. I don't know if AJ's injured now because they had or uh, Solo do a splash off a platform through him at a table, and the table was broken afterwards, but they didn't actually show him, you know, that that's something that's not crazy. You know, you, you would see a splash with AJ on a table. So, I don't know what the fuck's going on. All I know is AJ was taken out, John Cena already signed it, then he got jumped by both members, and it looks like unless AJ's gonna get over it, or if he actually is, you know, nursing something, there's someone else that's gonna join it. But as of right now, John Cena's gotta go against Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa. Yeah. I I don't know if it was just a stretcher spot for AJ to show up and it's a tag match. I don't know. Why didn't they show that that table spot? Like they, they didn't did the all the, the I assumed it was because they did the pyro behind it. Oh, yeah. Because they had the speakers, like, blowing up or whatever. Remember that at the very end? Yeah. Um, sometimes WWE overproduces things like that. But we did, you know, I if AJ is hurt and The Rock is maybe coming back at mania do you do rock and cena versus like that is that the build is that the start of something could do something like that but i'm assuming that aj is gonna you know they'll put over the bloodline because aj is hurt wrestling in this match and and then they'll continue the feud down down the line i guess unless aj is really hurt uh it was weird the way they filmed it but i think it's just because they wanted to do the pyro thing so here's another idea. All right, so AJ's out. What if, because of the fact, especially because Jimmy keeps on doing what he wants, what if Roman actually joins John Cena to go against his fucking cousins to put him in their place, and then afterwards beats the shit out of John Cena, and, you know, I could see something like that happening. That would be... Dude, that is like team demise right there. You put John Cena <laughs> in a team. God, who yeah. do you put them against? Like 1986 Road Warriors? <laughs> 86 Road Warriors and the Mega Powers. One or the other. <laughs> yeah, like Jesus. That would be awesome. I don't know. I don't think they're gonna go that route, but that would be I would but I would be when, so down for that. <laughs> but with Roman's character, if he's getting pissed off at them, he, he comes out, he's like, hey. I'm going to be his partner. I don't know what both of y'all's ass. And he does that in the match. And as soon as it's over, he just takes a chair, cracks Cena over the fucking back, and all three of them start beating the shit out of him. Like, you get out and think of who the fuck is the top guy. 
by beating their ass. And gives us like this little hint of baby face and just fucking destroys it by killing John Cena right after the match. Just a just an idea I'm throwing out there. Just an idea. What if it's actually Carl Anderson teaming with John Cena? And they're gonna give Carl Anderson a run. I don't I don't know if it's gonna happen, buddy. I've been hoping they do better with the two of them uh for a very long time actually, so well, they, they did, like, highly feature Anderson being like, I told him not to mess with the bloodline, like, in go, getting into the ambulance or whatever. That's a good point. So, I, I, I'm assuming it is just going to be a hurt AJ, and then that's why they lose the match. Um, Cena came over, like, dude, Cena put him over pretty clean uh, coming back down to the ring with that fight off at uh, towards the end of the show. So, Cena's here to do business, I guess. All right, before we head out of here, um, did because I didn't get a chance, obviously, because of the wedding. Did you get a chance to watch Collision last night at all? I did not. So I watched uh, – we talked about Grand Slam. I have not watched Collision, so I am uh, – much like you was uh, – well, not wedding, but I had a child's birthday to go – one-year-old birthday to go to, so I have not had a chance to watch it yet. So you got hammered like I did and got blackout drunk. I came home from being in a group of a lot of people I didn't know and did participate in the alcohols. <laughs> and I watched uh, Varsity Blues with my wife. She had never seen it all the way through, so that was entertaining. And, and Days of Thunder, like I talked about earlier. So I did not watch Collision. It is recorded. I will probably watch it today. Yeah, I might check that out as well. But. If you didn't, and I didn't, that means it's a show. We're done. We are done, Chris. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else to talk about. But hopefully, hopefully, I should say, you guys enjoyed this episode. Do me a favor. Subscribe. Give us a five-star rating or whatever rating. Five-star. Um, and whether it be Spotify, iTunes, we're on all of them. Just Google search for whatever platform works best for you, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, or search Wrestling Geeks Alliance on all of your major downloadable platforms. Join us every week. We try to get the show out on Mondays. It's kind of like Raw's that night, and it starts the next week, and then we keep on doing this. So, uh, yeah, you guys have a great day and or night whenever you're listening to this. And, Chris, say goodbye to all the lovely people. Goodbye, all the lovely people out there. If you want to talk to me on X. It's uh, Chris R. Patton on Instagram and Facebook. It's Christopher.R.Patton. Uh, that's pretty much all I got, man. And you guys can find me at Danels42 on Twitter. Uh, also, Danels on Instagram and Facebook. Message me. Let's talk about some wrestling. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening. Let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. And as always, peace out. Ooh, yeah, brother. What?